guys and girls, and welcome to episode 129 of the F Reality Podcast. This is a weekly VR, AR, and MR talk show, live streamed every Saturday on YouTube and on Twitch. And don't forget, you can also catch the show live in VR using big screen TV. The show goes live at 7pm in Europe, 6pm in the UK, and 12 midday in Central US. You can also check out the audio version, which is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and on Spotify. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback during the show, please put them in the chat. We'll try to answer as many questions as we can. Now, of course, it's time for me to introduce you to the team. First up, this guy's always got an ace up his sleeve. He's a VR high roller and will always pick you up when your chips are down. It's VR streamer, ZimTok5. How you doing, dude? Yeah, but I'll steal your chips too, Mike. <laughs> <That's what> I... <laughs> Gotta be careful. Ah, good. I spent the week doing manly stuff, you know, stabbing people, stealing money, running, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. So uh, it was a good, uh, good manly week, you know, lots of family time. Took a few days off work as well. Um, so it's good. Yeah, it was raining as hell here. Oh, my God. Like I saw it on on the satellite map and I used to live in the Caribbean. So I was used to kind of like, you know, uh, hurricanes and hurricane monitoring and then come over and it would sit on you and it would dump rain and would go away again. I feel like this is like, it's like the equivalent of a, a week, but mega mm. uh, hurricane that's just come over Scotland and the UK, of course. I'm sure you mm. felt the same. And it's just been really blowy and loads of rain. I mean, my backyard, my garden is literally just a pool. I think it's now installed itself a water feature. Well, there you so. go. You got a free swimming pool. <laughs> <laughs> it is. You do not. It's like it's like Saints and Sinners swimming pool. It is not nice. <laughs> well, glad you made it. Uh, you know, through the through the, the blustery winds of uh, you know what was it? Storm. What was this, the Daniel? name of the storm? Cara as well was another one. Yeah. yeah. Glad you made it anyway. Yeah, made it uh, next up, this guy loves nothing more than rolling around the landscape of the Green Hill Zone. He's got to go fast. Is of course our Frisian friend. It's Nathy. How you doing? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm doing great as well. Uh, also here, it's like uh, you know crazy in terms of like the weather. Mm. It's 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 so windy that today on my electric bike, I couldn't even move forward anymore. And usually it's able to pull that off, but here it was just like it was almost like I wasn't moving anymore. It's like I was just you know frozen in time. Yeah, I feel kind of bad complaining about the weather here because the weather in the UK and Europe is nothing compared to like the crazy weather in the States. And I know a lot of people stateside, friends of ours, has ha have had some really rough yeah, times. Um, but yeah, no, I appreciate we've had a bit of wind. We've or, had a bit, or, of, a little, a bit or of rain. Or Brazil or Australia or, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not, a bit I'm, of wind. I'm not expecting any sympathy here, so don't yeah. worry. Uh, but glad to hear you made it as well, Nathan. Yeah. <laughs> um, so next up, our special guest this week, he's a He-Man collector and chief marketing officer at Fast Travel Games, a true master of the metaverse, it's Andreas Julison. Thanks for joining us on the show this week. Thanks for having me. You know, especially a big thank you to uh, you guys for making me stay at home this weekend. I was, you know, supposed to be at my parents-in-law, uh, but due to this show, uh, I had a good reason to say to my family, you know, you can go, I have to stay behind and do some work. Uh, which means I have a ton of time to do nothing now. So <laughs> thank you for that. You're, you're very, very welcome. And it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so last but by no means least, if you don't know who I am, host of the show, Mike from Virtual Reality Oasis. We've got an awesome show for you today. Some of the highlights include you can win a huge cash prize if you're a Pistol Whip Pro. 
HTC announces some new additions to the Vive Pro, uh, the Vive Cosmos lineup, apologies, and teases us with the future headsets under the codename of Project Proton. Zim's going to give you the lowdown on the latest releases to look forward to next week. And then finally, we'll be getting an insight into uh, the marketing of VR games with our special guest, Andreas, to learn how it differs from the traditional gaming scene. So lots of exciting stuff to talk about this week. But first, of course, let's start off the show by finding out what everyone's been playing this week and their highlight of the week. And uh, of course, first up to the plate, as always, pretty much nowadays, is Zim. <laughs> what you been up to, dude? I feel like it'll be very appropriate when you say that. And I've done like baseball VR simulator or something, yeah. you know, for my <laughs> highlight of the week. You know, first up to the plate. So for those who don't know what American baseball is like, it's horrible. Um, <laughs> uh, so I guess my highlight, I mean, you started with poker. I've been playing poker all bloody week, um, which you can't really say much about it. Um, you know, if you don't, if you don't play poker, it's terribly boring to talk about. If you do play poker, it, it, it's still not that great to watch. So, uh, I generally don't do that for the, for the show. Um, what I have been trying to do, as you know, I mentioned last week, I'm trying to clear February is like my clear, the back catalog of games month, because it's a pretty clear run. Although we've been getting a couple of gems, uh, through the releases and that. Um, so Saints and Sinners, uh, I've been playing that more and as I advance in that game oh I'm loving it even more it, it's kind of like the opposite of Boneworks last week I think I talked about finishing Boneworks and um this like that game the, the more I went through it it was like highs and lows like I went through this emotional roller coaster this is just like a, a little rocket ship of like loving this game so much and kind of um flying a banner to Valve that like you know, you should have been developing Left 4 Dead VR all this time because holy cow, these guys got it so right. I mean, there are sequences, and I'm not going to spoil anything, that you come across that just feel like you're in, and not in the, the show as in copy-paste you're in the show, but like it really feels like The Walking Dead. They've, 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 there's game mechanics that support <clears throat> it. There's um, herds or masses of zombies and scenes Um and it's in no way samey. I, I was actually expecting it to be um, quite repetitive in terms of the assets used in the environments, and it's really good. Uh, so I'm loving that. I'm, uh, I'm loving coming across and finding, like, hidden recipes. Uh, I'm currently trying to hunt down one bit of a school, and the school is massive, and it's like you're just trying to navigate uh, through, this, through this environment, and you really feel like, you know, uh, there are still surprises around the corner. And, and there are, and I'm... I'm so impressed with it. I am smitten. It's obvious, I'm sure. No, it's so great to hear. That's so great to hear. Because I know, you know, PSVR owners are really looking forward to this game because it's coming out for them, you know, in quarter two, quarter one or quarter two, and then uh, what coming to Quest in quarter three. And, you know, I, I can't wait to see how the, the team at Skydance pull that off on the Quest because it is a, a, a big, complex game. So how they're going to make that work on the quest yeah. is going to be very impressive. Yeah, and it 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 holds right the way through like the the story, the characters you meet. I mean, some people claim it's too short. This is a game I would happily play through multiple times, but uh, I'm on like I don't PlayStation 4 or 5 play, say, play session 4 or 5 um and I'm still not through. And I tend to take my time with games. Um, yeah. but yeah, oh, loving it, loving have it. You, um, have you played this one, Andreas, Saints and Sinners? Um, you know, as in my role, it's you know, it, it's part of my responsibility to try all the games coming out. <laughs> you have to understand That's the good. competition. Uh, but I also, I also enjoy a good game, and Saints and Sinners is, is absolutely amazing. I haven't got that far into it, I have to say. Mm. Uh, I have a massive backlog list, personally. 
in VR. Mm. Um, currently playing The Exorcist, actually. Oh, uh, okay. yeah, the first few chapters of that oh are good. God. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I you know I'm a huge horror fan, and uh, one of some of my best experiences in VR has has been being shit scared uh, and, and really thinking <laughs> that I'm about to die in real life. So. Uh, I, I, you know, that's my kind of uh, thrills, to be honest. And the Saints and Sinners gives you some of that as well. It does, uh, absolutely. But uh, yeah. And I guess, uh, I guess, being a dev that's that's done that, you know, um, ported a game from like PSVR and and Rift and 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 ported it down to Quest, you 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 know that challenge that these guys have got ahead of them. Yes. Uh, so any sort of pearls of wisdom you'd like to give them, uh, you know, if you could narrow it down to like one or two. <laughs> Um, I mean, for Apex Construct, which was our first sort of port, our first game that, that you know, a year before the Quest came out had already been in the market for, for PC VR and PlayStation VR, we were lucky enough to experiment with mobile chipsets at that time uh, and trying to make a mobile port for Gear VR uh, as an experiment. So when the Quest came into, into play, the, you know, it wasn't that hard for us to mm. uh, get the game running up in an optimal way on the quest. So uh, I would say, you know, get down to the very core basics of what makes your game great and build it up from there. Um, yeah. you, ha- you you can't really keep all the fancy details, uh, you know, that you have to have, if, especially if you have created a high-end VR version to, to begin with, uh, mm. you will struggle a bit with, you know, lightning or whatever it might be. Uh, mm. The cost of, of making the game for the quest, uh, you know, requires you to reduce some some aspects of the graphical fidelity, which is just fine. Just you know, make the decision on what what the key items are to keep in the game that that will make it shine on the quest as well. Because the quest is you know it, it's still a powerful headset. It's just that uh, there are limitations that you don't get with high end PC VR headsets. Mm. But it's quite yeah. it's quite similar to PSVR. So if you have a PSVR version, um, it's not that big of a jump to be honest. Interesting. Interesting. Thank you very much for the insight. I really appreciate it. Um, so let's pass it over to, to maybe you then. Uh, do you, what have you been playing this week? Have you have got a highlight of the week you'd like to sort of mention? You've been, you mentioned you've been playing Exorcist. Yes, I have. Um, and I enjoy it. I really try to take my time with the games I play. I, I've started to play Red Matter as well. Uh, I, I, I do enjoy those sort of slow, slow moving, uh, immersive exploration kind of games. Um, you know, I, as much as I enjoy smashing heads in, in Saints and Sinners, um, for me, from a per, on a personal level, I like to just stand still and soak in all the immersion and all the details and, mm. and put put myself and the mindset as if I were in that game. So um, that said, uh, I haven't had much time to play. Uh, work has taken a lot of time uh, recently. Uh, all good. <laughs> all for good reasons uh but it, it's like you know when when you i used to do my um two weeks at a pizzeria in, in high school as a practice uh session and the first three days i had pizza for lunch uh the fourth day i actually went home to my mother and had meatballs instead because you know working with a pizza all the time i didn't feel like eating it at for lunch and dinner as well so um it's a little bit like that for me I try a lot of games at work, at home. I, I work, you know, researching the market and analyzing whatever games are coming out. So mm. uh, when I do get time 
personal time at home, for example, uh, I very often find myself playing something amazing on flat screen. I'm playing Dragon mm -hmm. Quest XI now, for example, which is mm -hmm. a very short, very short game. Uh, so yeah, no, I, I, I'm a very much a, you know I, I eat a lot of different VR games for for lunch and for dinner all the time. Yeah, yeah. You, you know what we call pancake games in the VR industry? Guilty pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly like you say we we consume our vr for for lunch and dinner as well but we do have some pancake games we enjoy, enjoy yes. for dessert you know yeah. as well so we can totally relate to that of course uh, i yeah. actually i have i have played something pretty amazing over the last few weeks um and that is our upcoming game Ooh, okay so we'll teaser, so, teaser, teaser. So maybe you, you might, you might be able to give us a, a more of a tease about that later on when we talk about uh, more about what you're up to and, and also your history about getting into the gaming industry because I think that's always an interesting story to tell yeah. as well. Yep. Um, so let's pass it over to Nathy then. What about you? What have you been playing this week? Yeah, so uh, let's, uh, let's first go to the chat. Uh, we have uh, the old gamer guy who uh, finished off the one and only Melon Simulator. You know, you know what game I'm talking about? Boneworks? Boneworks, exactly. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was thinking like <laughs> Dead or Alive. I was <laughs> Dead or <totally>. Alive. <laughs> yeah, okay, that, that could have been an option too. <laughs> then we have uh, Dave the Psycho. He played uh, The Walking Dead, Saints and Sinners per usual, and uh, Ghost Giant. Oh, yeah. You know, like someone with the name Psycho is also having a, you know, more heartwarming song too <laughs> he's got he's got he's a psycho but he's got a heart of gold yeah you know? yeah like imagine just like you know freddy krueger or like <laughs> so, someone else playing ghost giant and then having yeah. this wonderful reaction to it it's a beautiful picture in my yes. mind yeah it's that, it's that kind of sounds like a 1990s sega commercial <laughs> <laughs> then we have gaming a science teacher who attended to educators in vr this was mm. a conference that was running almost the entire week I've never seen a, a VR conference uh, run for that long. Uh, it looked impressive. I still feel like that, um, that yes, conferences in VR are going to become more and more popular, but it's still not that sexy on, uh, on, on, the, on the 2D screen. So I, I hope they will find a way to kind of make that more, um, let's say, immersive for people who are not in VR. Uh, well, I think, uh, you know, this week would have been a perfect opportunity for one of those platforms to really say, OK, Mobile World Congress has been cancelled. GDC has been yeah. cancelled yeah. because of the coronavirus. I will host you all in our thing and let's make a virtual exhibition just for yeah. fun and see if yeah. it works. Mm -hmm. uh, that would have been a, that's, a good opportunity. That's something... Everybody go out and buy a Go, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that's, that's something that, that uh, yeah. That Sensar nailed uh, with theirs. They had like this Intel conference room where they, you had like the Intel products laying on tables and they had like a meeting spot, just like a normal conference. So it's possible. It's just that I've never seen a crowded one where uh, everyone is in there. Um, but sure. this was a good start for sure. You know, uh, very, very exciting to see. Um, then we uh, we have uh, um, Mice who played Box VR, Pistol Whip, Beat Saber and checked out Henry on the Quest. It gave me... Feels, yes, and 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 uh, that one uh, I can totally recommend. Uh, it's it's free. Uh, it's 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 like you're in a Pixar movie in a way. Um, I don't think it has been uh, advertised that much. I don't think a lot of people know it's yeah. even on Quest, but it That's is. What it was I agree. It's yeah, the five K, the five five K edition that was uh, re-rendered or whatever oh, yeah. through the genius of Carmack, who is unfortunately no longer with us. <laughs> he's still part time. He's still part time, and, he, and he's still alive too. Just saying, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> still cling on to him a little bit. You know. uh, and then, last but not least, we have Resp 
Barry, who uh, uh, still uh, is waiting for the quest. Oh yeah, because every every headset, well, you know, uh, you know, Quest and, and Valve Index for yep. sure are in short supply. True, uh, and because of the coronavirus, of course, that's delayed things even further. So chances of getting one anytime soon is going to be tricky. But we're going to touch on that more a little bit later on. Um, but maybe you can tell us about your highlight um, this week, then, Nathy. Yeah. What what sure. was it? Let me so, guess. <laughs> yeah, okay, you guess. Sure. <laughs> did it did it involve a hedgehog? Hedgehog. Maybe not Henry though. Not Henry. No, it's it no. has a different color. You, you know what color? <laughs> Blue. Um, and what, what kind? Of, what is it? Wearing sneakers too? Yes, red ones. Does he like Cheerios by any chance? Uh, well, sometimes, I guess. Mostly rings, golden yes. rings. So yeah. Oh, so he's uh, like Beyonce. Yeah. Kind of. Uh, <laughs> no, it's uh, Sonic. it's uh, it's Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog, a blast from the past. Now also coming back to life on the on the big screen, you know, in the in in the cinemas all around mm-hmm. the world. Um, I thought it would be a good moment with you know all the shuffleware coming out and not really having anything to play that is like really interesting to cover on YouTube. I thought I would just go back into you know the Sonic VR experience by Nimso Nimsoni. Um, he's the he's a developer who's you know um, experimenting with uh, different kinds of locomotion options, mm. uh, mainly you know uh, uh, jogging on one place and then starting to move and also physically have to jump to jump in VR. Um, and he made a couple of different experiences from uh, being in the Green Hill Zone as Sonic, but also uh, uh, playing as Super Mario uh, mm. and and a few others. Uh, sadly, the Super Mario one uh, cannot be downloaded anymore. I found out because I thought like, hey, maybe I should also replay that one. But uh, it's not uh, it's not available anymore because Nintendo was about to sue the man. So he was like, maybe I should just you know. Um, but That's the usual with these kinds of projects, I remember that happening to um, his name Red Fire Panda or whatever Nick uh, who who used to make the stuff from all the all the kind of anime features like Totoro and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. all got taken offline. But it's great content. It's just a, it's a shame when you have a yeah. gap of years and you can't play it. I think it's True. time to, to bring back the old uh, marketing line. Sega do, uh, does what Nintendo don't. <laughs> if you remember that. Maybe you're too young to remember that, but I'm old enough well, to remember Well, it, so. in, in, in this case, that, yeah, that proves that. once again that it's true. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Um, also Nimsoni is in the, in the chat. Thanks for joining. He said yeah. that they didn't sue him. Um, yeah, and he also um, got a job recently with Ubisoft, yeah. and we're going to be talking about Ubisoft oh, later on. So maybe okay. if uh, he was involved in this project, if he can talk about it, then he can chime in in the chat. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to uh, know his opinion. Um, so you played uh, Sonic the Hedgehog on the Quest, though, right? So that yeah. was um, with Link. Link. Yeah. Link, yeah. Okay, so it's on PC if you want to go check it out and check out Nimsoni's website. I think that's where he hosts all the yeah. files, it's right? A, it's, a, it's a free uh, title. Um, it is for VR enthusiasts. If It's for the true uh, VR warriors who are into wild, you know, adventures because this this can make you really motion sick. Yes. Because it's yes. especially the speed, of course, of Sonic not matching with your natural speed and, and the fact you're jumping around like like uh, like crazy that's something that that can really get you so you have been warned that's I what remember. i was going to ask about the real jumping so you vertically have to displace yourself in order to jump in the game yeah but um you yeah. do still have to press a button to kind of activate that just like in boneworks okay. where you know you kind of have to yeah you get that little like, yes, hunch um, thing going <laughs> But um, <laughs> then you pop up. Yeah. Yeah. I just uh, word of warning to anyone who's um, over the age of 30, <clears throat> uh, myself included, after a three after a three day run of um, Minecraft in VR with real jumping, 
jumping every single block uh, for probably about 10 hours in total. <laughs> My knees were I've screwed for that. about two months. So um, don't maybe do that if you don't use your knees much like me. I'd love to be the fly on the wall in the doctor's surgery explaining to the doctor why your knees are wrecked. And it's like, I've been <laughs> jumping in a virtual world <laughs> it's like just to see his face. But there was like, you weren't really jumping, but I was yeah. really jumping. Yeah. And, and, and I got chased by, you know, a blocky green thing that was, you know, making this sissing noise. <laughs> <laughs> and the funny thing about like Sonic oh, no. having tried it myself is you can actually do a loop the loop like yeah. you can do the loop the loop and that, it, that is insane <laughs> that, you, know, you really do need a stomach of steel for that like so how the whole warned. world goes upside down I suppose the thing you just reminded me of something Nathie I saw midweek it might have been even the tail end of last week was uh, a new locomotion method where someone holds their hand out and uses <laughs> yeah. the hand working to, yeah. to, to actually walk like this yeah, I training. thought that was as a, as a meme train that was brilliant I don't know yeah hand tracking but it could you know, work. Anything, I mean, but. it could work. But, you know, the best part about the Sonic VR demo is that uh, Nimsa also added a little, like, nose. So you can see Sonic's nose. And that helps with motion sickness. Although this is still so intense yeah, that, it that, it, that you're not going anywhere with that. But it can work. You know, a little oh. virtual nose in a game. It's, it's yeah. uh, you know, like Eagle, Eagle Flight. Flight. Yeah, Eagle Flight. Yeah. So if you're hardcore and you've got a link cable, <laughs> go God. and check it out uh, from Nim's Sony website. Yeah. Um, so this week, uh, I, an application called Virtuous uh, caught my eye on SideQuest. Uh, it's a free application which you can sideload, and the claim is that it will help you learn how to play the piano using the Oculus Quest's hand tracking feature. So I thought this was like super interesting. Um, so I thought, well, for science, I'll check it out and see if someone like me with zero musical abilities uh, could learn how to play the piano using the Oculus Quest and this free app. So um, I looked on Gumtree, found a keyboard nearby locally, fairly cheap, went and picked it up, got it home, got it set up. And uh, the actual app, you know, the setup procedure in the app is, is really clever, actually. Um, you put the headset on and it uses the hand tracking uh, for your hands. And then you choose your keyboard layout based on like how many keys your keyboard or piano has. Uh, and then you get to calibrate it. So you get to calibrate it so it's in the right position. So it says uh, press the far left key and pinch your finger and then press the far right key and, and pinch your finger. And then it calibrates your virtual keyboard and basically overlays it onto your real life one, uh, which is really smart. So, you know, when you does touch it require equispaced keys or does it allow for the like the black keys on a keyboard as well? Allows for black keys as well. Okay. Yeah, everything. So everything's fully in line. And that bit was great. Um, and then once you um, are in it, you can load up like MIDI files, which you can find online. Mm -hmm. And then it will drop down the sort of um, the different notes you have to play uh, mm -hmm. in columns above the notes you have to play on a keyboard, a bit like. Like Guitar Hero, for example. Please, please tell me you did Bond. Please tell me that you did the Bond theme. That <laughs> oh, would yeah, have been so it, awesome. As if I could get that far. Or, 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 or the one from Batman, you know, where you, you know, hit the key and it's like, it starts. Yeah. And then it like opens up a room. Yeah. Um, but sadly, um, I, I, I practiced for many hours, in fact, <laughs> over two days. Um, How many still, hours? How many hours are we talking about? A, a few. I'm what are like, you? Four, four to five, you yeah. know, so I put a decent amount of time <laughs> well, into it, yeah, um, but I still totally sucked. Um, so sadly, I didn't become like a pro pianist overnight by using the power of virtual reality, which is a shame because that would have make a, made a really cool video. Um, so I had to abandon that project in the end. Um, however, on the plus side, I thought the hand tracking was very good. I thought the setup procedure was very good as well. But I would say that, you know, you need some prior piano skills to get the full benefit of this app, I think. You know, I think if you know how to play the piano, this will probably enhance that. Whereas if you're a true beginner like me, 
I oh. think you're going to struggle still. So hang on, question, question, question. Just just to assess the level that you're at, are you a touch typist? Yes. Okay. Okay. So, so. But never touch touched typist? a piano in my life. That... But never, never touched a, a keyboard <laughs> no, and piano in your life. Never. No. <laughs> Um, other than that sort of like, you know, autoplay button where you could do like, wake me up before you go, go song, you know, or was it from Wham or whatever? Um, so, so that's, that's the highlight of my, uh, piano experience in, in my past. So yeah, I, I do think it's great for people that know how to play for beginners. I wouldn't say so much. Um, but just if you are interested, the team at Virtuous, they plan to make this project free uh, and open source forever. So if you think you can find ways to improve the app or you want to go check it out yourself, uh, you can find the Virtuous app for free on SideQuest. So, hmm. so Andreas, like besides playing an RGB keyboard, do you play any other instruments? Um, I used to be quite a skilled drummer back in the days, oh. actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, I won the, the high school, uh, you know, big competition. Uh, got a, a dollar bill by the teacher in the gymnastics hall afterwards and a diploma. Nice. Uh, but that was, I don't know, 70, 75 years ago or so. Um, wow! <laughs> <laughs> He's aged well. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I just I just turned forty quite recently, so that's why I'm you know putting so much focus on the age. But uh, no, I'm I'm more of a singer to be honest. I really really enjoy mm. being uh, on the on the stage doing uh, uh, karaoke. Oh, as, as oh wow! Nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's pro- it's usually a mandatory thing when we have a party at uh, Fast Travel Games to do karaoke in some way or shape. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, li- I like, I, I'm actually trying to play the guitar now, uh, not using VR, but I'm using something called Usician, which is an app for the iPad. Uh, mm-hmm. It's pretty awesome, pretty expensive, though. But, uh, yeah. yeah, and I, I, do, I do think these apps will help in the future. And I think, you know, with more, um, if it gets refined a little bit more and, you know, if the keys when you press on the virtual keyboard were depressed at the same time as the real ones, that would make it a little bit more yeah. one-to-one. Um, so it's got some work, but I think it's a great start. Um, yeah, it's in an the, interesting use case for sure. In the chat, Johnny Well said, uh, duet with Mike. So Mike plays the piano <laughs> and then you sing. Oh, man. And, oh, and they time. also have a... Another request, uh, um, you know, Watto says, um, Mike should be playing Mozart's The Marriage of Figaro next week. <laughs> We've already had Mike singing on the show. I, oh, yeah, I'm just exactly. thinking about this technology and how it kind of, uh, where it goes next, you know, because mm. to me, I suppose more of a an AR overlay on a, on a real-life keyboard, you know, kind of similar to if you've ever done a measurement on an Apple phone or something like that, one of those kinds of tools. I feel like that would almost work better uh, you'd have like light frame glasses that were giving you an AR display overlays automatically and you're able to do it. I think as well, that would be really handy. I mean, today we have these silly keyboards that have keys and dedicated buttons, whereas we've got a phone that's got a digital keyboard mm-hmm. and can translate in different languages. You know, why don't you have a faceless keyboard in front of you with configurable buttons that are controlled by the AR glasses that you're wearing, you know? So that's that's where you got me thinking anyway, Mike, that maybe that's where yeah. we'd be yeah, going in a, a couple of it's years. It's a really good point. I think AR would be like the perfect uh, medium for that particular learning, you know, with yeah. piano. I think that'd be great, you know, really, really cool. And We, I, we had no... it in that video, in that tweet that you uh, had that went viral, right, with uh, the guy, he had uh, sheet music uh, sitting yeah. in front of a keyboard on the wall, right? Amazing, and, yeah. and he sat down and he kind of toyed with it and... That was the, probably the first time I saw that combination. But uh, these hand tracking demos are, are, and, and applications are really neat. I just, wa- I just 
worry about the time this goes like cooking or something, you know, and it's showing you the hob. You get your hob layover and, you know, put the thing on the wrong burner and before you know it. House yeah. burns down. Yeah, AR will be huge for education and learning, I think. Yeah. Um, we're only scratching the surface of it right now. But it's an interesting use case for VR as well, of course. Um, okay, cool. Well, let's get into some news then. Uh, we've got quite a bit of news to get through this week. Uh, and the first bit of news is about Boneworks because um, it released on the Oculus Store this week, uh, which we we didn't really get a hint of. It just kind of just happened. Oh. Uh, did they kind of tease that this was going to happen or did it just kind of happen randomly out of the blue? I robbed. I think it's random. I I really mm. expected them to be working on their other game for Quest uh, and, mm. and for the Oculus platform, but not Boneworks. I really expected Boneworks to be an exclusive to Steam. Mm. Yeah, I kind of got that impression as well. Um, but it did release on the Oculus Store this week, so you can play it on Rift, Rift S, and Quest if you're using a link cable. Uh, and to celebrate the release, this is kind of the interesting part of the story, is mm. that on the Oculus platform, because they, well, it's on both platforms now, but to celebrate the release on the Oculus platform, uh, Stress Level Zero, the developers, they released a Tuscany-themed sandbox mode. Now, if you're a sort of like an OG back in the Oculus DK1 days, you'll be familiar with Tuscany because it was like one of the first demos that you could try with your DK1. And it was one of the first sort of uh, VR environments that you could really explore uh, that was rich in detail and kind of was one of those must-try demos that you showed to all your friends and family to show them what it was like to be in a virtual world for the first time. And uh, I'm sure you can all remember your first time in, in the Tuscany demo. And for me, it was like, um, that weird sensation of walking up and down the stairs for the mm. first time where your body is seated but your mind is like you know going up and down these different levels and it just it did make me feel really sick mm. but also kind of blew my mind at the same time I am imagining you as Morpheus now from now until the end of the show that's, so that's great just, I'll take yeah. that yeah for sure um, so did you guys do you guys remember the Tuscany demo oh yeah, yeah. every time I see that coloring that 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 um, what do you call it like burnt uh, burned orange kind terracotta of. yeah that burnt orange yeah. color on the the terracotta I think is the formal term yeah I just I feel nauseous all over again <laughs> very little actually caused me nausea in the early days but test the Tuscany demo I've always hated it I've always hated it I never liked the Tuscany demo um, I don't know why it's just uh, I liked their roller coaster I liked uh, several other things I did in my first run in VR I even liked Half Life even though that was another stomach jerker but Tuscany and that horrible pattern floor <laughs> I should be burned to the ground. In my oh, wow. <laughs> wow. What about you, Andreas? Do you have any fond memories of Tuscany? I, no, I haven't. I was a dice at the time. And I, I think I, at the DK1, DK2 uh, was probably my first experience of VR, but it wasn't the Tuscany demo. So never played yeah. it. I actually, I think I like Tuscany better than the, the Tuscany demo. <laughs> If I had to choose, yeah. but I, I've been there, yeah. But Not I, been to Tuscany. I, I think it's, um, I really like the fact that the Boneworks team, uh, Stratless Zero, are in a position where they can do this, like in, in, the, in this, you know, in this shape and style. Um, it's not many studios who have uh, released a game like Boneworks in the way they did with that kind of transparency towards the community and the dedicated YouTube channel showing off the development happening and all that. So it, it makes perfect sense from that perspective to see them launching this uh, for the grassroots who follow them for a long, long time now as well. So um, yeah. I, I enjoy it for a, uh, you know, as a product and, and call it a marketing initiative or whatever. But from that perspective, I think it's really, really cool. 
Yeah, I think you're right. Um, you know, building up the hype for your game through these kind of viral videos that they, you know, they leveraged their their, their influence online to sort yeah. of get the hype built up. And that was yeah. really smart of them. And it reminded me of the hype that was built up for uh, Beat Saber when it first launched, you know, that kind of viral hype. Um, and it worked really well for them. Uh, definitely. It shows oh, like video. Sorry. Go on, Rathy. Yeah, it, show, it shows like how like there are not that many studios who have social media channels that are that big, of course. Exactly. But if yeah. you have that... It's it's crazy what you can do with it. Uh, yeah. It's also Brandon as a personality, as 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 you know, the community is following him. They like what he's doing. So it's not just hey, uh, it's it's a very dedicated uh, community that is you know interested in Boneworks, uh, yeah. in what he's doing, yeah. in in whatever he's doing, if it's VR or not. It's like they have been following him for so long. Yeah, and regardless of what I thought about like the final product, you know, it's amazing to see like the passion behind the game. You know, um, yeah. it's always great to see that behind that peek behind the curtain. You know, and see what it's like actually them developing the game and putting their heart and soul into it, and, and still working on it too. You know, they have been yeah. updating it. They had have added these you know checkpoints now, and it's not just oh they could have just created a checkpoint system where you see a little text in your screen like oh you have the checkpoint done, but they they created like I've never seen an actual checkpoint system in VR before. They're the first ones to make a safe system like you had an alien isolation where you, you know, you turn some things around and then bam, you saved. So it's not just, hey, here's a checkpoint, uh, fast, fast. No, it's like they have been working on this for a few weeks to make it look nice and work. And so again, they set like different standards for so many things. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so yeah, you can check out the Tuscany uh, experience uh, in the sandbox mode, which you obviously have to unlock through playing the yeah. full game. Um, and yeah, now you can check it out on the Oculus Store. It will set you back uh, twenty nine ninety nine in US dollars, twenty two ninety nine in British pounds. And uh, like we touched on, we we praised the game for for its incredible uh, physics based interactions and gunplay. But you know, me and Zim uh, in particular found the story a bit lacking. I would say it's fair to say, right, Zim? Yeah. It just it it, it it has like fair wind and negative. It just like blows back yeah. and forth between good and bad. Um, so if just if you're ready for a bit of a janky kind of indie fest with a lot of passion in it, yeah, then it's for you. Uh, otherwise, you might get a bit frustrated with it in its pacing and things like that. Um, the one thing I was gonna say is I'm really impressed with their ability to pump out quality hype videos yeah. for like everything they do. <laughs> I mean, even this update has a hype video with it, and it's really well produced and. I know that's you know their strength and that's and they keep hitting that same chord, yeah. um, but I think it's still a very strong chord for them and it generates the right kind of attraction. Yeah. So um, I'd love to see kind of a Boneworks like an enhanced version of Boneworks in a year or two actually come out with uh, some some systems that they found didn't work quite well. You know, like almost go back and retune mm. the old dog. Um, but they've already talked about working on another title. Uh, on the Boneworks engine, essentially. So, and I would totally play the heck out of that. I'd, I'd love to see their next passion. Mm. And l- like I said before, I think opening it up uh, to either mods from the community or licensing that um, that system that they made, you know, would be a smart move for them potentially moving forward in the future. But maybe that's something we'll see in the future. Who knows? Uh, but of course, they're also working, like uh, Nathy touched on, on a Quest spin-off game, which is going to be a standalone from the main Boneworks story called Project 4. Uh, all we know is that it's got announced during OC6 during the keynote, but we don't know any more details than that right now. Like I, I wish, you know, uh, and this is something I said before, you know, Michael, the new head of... Uh, uh, content would yeah. you know communicate better would actually play a role in the vr community like jason rubin did saying like hey listen this is what we have been working on this is what's coming but you know michael Ferdu has not 
you know, telling us anything. Like no. he has been on stage at Oculus Connect. That's, yeah. That's it. You know, even if yeah. he would say like, hey, Mike, you want to do an interview with me about what we are working on or hey, upload, uh, can I maybe should do an article about, you know, the yeah. thing is right now, I'm like, is there a future? <laughs> is there a future for PC VR content? What, what are you going to do with Oculus Quest? What are you going to do with, you know, so it's yeah, no, I, yeah. I would love to see him. And even with the Bonework stuff, like he has no, as far as I know, a Twitter account. But at that moment, it's like he should have been tweeting about that, yeah. saying like, hey, Tuscany, yeah. blast from the past. This is cool. This is what we have on our platform. And we're proud yeah. of it. You need, you need yeah. some, like if, if you're a developer, you want to have some, some also some, you know, advertisement from the other side or some, some backup, some, so I don't know. Some cheer. Yeah, yeah, that cheerleading. I agree with you on that point because it's great to see. And I've actually seen it from fast travel games before as well. Um, and I, I remember you guys did an event that I think some of these guys have attended. Mm -hmm. But like that connecting fiber across the industry, not just everyone in their own silo. Yep. Very, mm -hmm. important. Yeah. Very important. I agree. I mean, you know, from a developer standpoint, um, we are, of course, heavily dependent on the kind of support we get from first party, the platform owners. Mm. And uh, my experience so far, I'm two and a half years into this role now at Fast Travel, is that it's very much down to per personal relations. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and that's it's been the case for you know since since Jesus really. Like, yeah, you know, unless you get that, and it's tricky for us being in Sweden uh, and Facebook, of course, being in the US, uh, HTC being in the US, Valve being in the US. So it requires a lot of traveling, networking, and all that. Uh, my experience is that they are usually very supportive once you actually start talking to the right person. Mm -hmm. um, luckily, right now, we are in a very good position with uh, with Oculus, I would say. Uh, we have an amazing key account manager, which is like the most important thing for us at the moment. And the other, HTC, is also a, an amazing partner from a support standpoint. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, it takes time to find those persons. And if, they, if someone should leave for another job, you have to kind of go back again and sort oh, yeah. of rebuild that. Yeah. So um, I think the industry is slowly being uh, a bit more organized and structured so that you're not as dependent anymore on mm. personal relations because that's it's shaky. I, I could be gone tomorrow, not that I you know plan to, but I could. And then you know whoever has me as their uh, main contact would have to start their job over again. So I think the industry you know is a little bit immature still. Uh, there's a lot of reorgs happening at HTC. It's a you new know, Oculus, and you see that it hasn't really settled yet. So, uh, keeping those you know emails or conversations going at events or phone calls is really yeah. critical, and it's time mm. time consuming. But it's something that you have to yeah. do at the moment. And yeah. and, and also like your 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 community manager in a way too. Like you're yeah. one of the faces of you know fast travel games. If if someone wants to say something about one of your games, they can tweet to you and have a conversation. So yep. it's 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 so important for if it's it's Oculus or HTC or or developers to have a community uh, manager, someone who's active on the forums, on Reddit, on on Twitter, mm -hmm. on Facebook, everywhere. Yeah. Because without that, you know, there's a piece missing, and you feel as a consumer at least, you feel like you're misunderstood, or they're not listening to you, or they don't care. And if you add that to the mix. They're willing to come back and buy the next game or mm. uh, yeah. buy the next headset. 
but you're, you're totally right in, in you know, with, with Mike Verdu and that, you know, the roadmap isn't clear right now, you know, and I wish, you know, in the VR industry, we got into this mindset like, like Nintendo Direct or like what Sony are doing with their sort of, you know, regular updates with the community. And it, it just it helps build that community yeah. uh, response. Yeah. Everyone knows what's happening, what to look forward to, what to get excited about. But at the moment, it doesn't feel like that right now. So. No. And I guess in a way that's kind of what we're doing, you know, yeah. we're, we're being that bridge. Organize you know, the chaos. To, to the that's... degree that we can do anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. Um, so let's move on to the next bit of news then, because uh, this is really cool, actually, uh, especially if you're a bit of a pro when it comes to playing Pistol Whip. Uh, the developers uh, at Cloudhead Games are teaming up with Springboard VR, Oculus, Live, iBuyPower and Val, which stands for the Virtual Athletics League, uh, to set up a tournament which has a cash prize of 10 thousand US dollars, which I think is pretty That's awesome. That's a lot of money. <laughs> a lot of money. That's crazy. Yeah. And you can easily take part in this tournament as well. Um, so you can take part in the tournament by attending your local VR arcade, uh, or you can do it from home if you own your own VR headset. So for home players, the tournament starts from the 13th to the 14th of March. And for arcade players, the tournament takes place from the 19th to the 22nd of March. Um, players can also take part in both tournaments, both from home and VR arcades if you want to. So that's pretty cool. Uh, and then the top three players from both of those tournaments will progress into the finals, which takes place on the 29th of March, where the finalists will receive a split in a 5,000 US dollar cash prize pool. They'll also win an Oculus Rift S and on all expenses paid trip to Salt Lake City in Utah. So this is like a real serious, serious tournament, you know, which is great to see because it's kind of, this has been lacking in the VR community for a little while, hasn't it? Since Oculus kind of stopped promoting these kind of, um, you know, eSport tournaments. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember even the last tournament that has been hosted where you can win money, where everyone can join. Uh, is it so so when you go to oh, an no. arcade so when you go <laughs> yeah, to an arcade okay, is it is it like you can just also use whatever headset you want let's say an arcade is using a vibe or yeah yeah okay. i believe so yeah yeah you can use whatever headset you want and it's just based on rankings and oh, high rankings. scores i guess um which is really cool um but yeah it kind of just opens it up to everyone and there's some really great players out there and the kind of person that came to mind straight away was lonely viper after <laughs> the way he played the game uh back at oc6 you know watching the way he moved i was like holy crap he could be in for 10 grand here so but, viper if you need a manager you know to go on tour with you just like well, you know, i'll take a little cut and well i i will be uh zim's manager he's gonna play it on the <laughs> oculus go he's gonna win guys uh, <laughs> on the oculus go, oculus go yeah <laughs> um, i'm done i have played pistol whip yeah. on oculus go that would be funny like managers head to head players head to head. <laughs> imagine like he's on oh, um, number the number one spotter like oh so uh what did you play with? Can you show your skills? Oh, he's like, yeah, sure. Let me grab my go. <laughs> play it on Nintendo Labo. <laughs> Labo. With the, with the, with the blaster. <laughs> but the yeah. thing is, like, if you're not careful and you host a tournament like that and you don't specify platform, but you give out platform specific prizes, that's what's going to happen. Someone yeah. will come up with a platform that you're like, I didn't expect them to play that game yeah. on, uh, on that platform. Mm. Uh, I, I think it's been a good two years since we last saw the unspoken tournaments mm -hmm. and things like that kicking off. There was a huge sponsorship from Facebook slash Oculus and, back and then. And Intel as well. Uh, yeah, and, and behind the kind of whole VR athlete scene, which I think I feel better using the VR athlete term these days with games like uh, Pistol Whip because you come out of those sessions and your muscles are burning, right? So oh, yeah. 
at least there's a chance for someone to get proper fit in VR. I haven't seen a guy, a guy or a gal walking down the street like totally ripped and be like, oh, all I do is VR, buddy. Like, I haven't seen that yet. That might still happen. So there is one going to be me. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> you're like, this is all VR. <laughs> there, there is one guy. If, if there's one guy you could say that is super that? jacked and is like well into VR, and that is Talon, who works at oh, Facebook. And but is he part didn't of the get Oculus that team. jacked from VR. That's he not. Could, he could lift no. me up with one arm, although that's not yeah. his gym weights. Although he got <laughs> the scars weights. on his, his knuckles from playing VR, that's for sure, because he goes full ham when he plays any VR game. Yeah. But it's exciting to see this because uh, it needs it. Um, if anyone is really tuned into esports, like esports will become a thing. Yeah. Um, and undoubtedly, more and more, this is going to become quite an engaging thing, not just to watch and participate in, but the, the fact that it's boundaryless. Uh, this is maybe one of the first tournaments that I've seen like this. The only other one that I mentioned there, just as you were announcing, was um, I saw them do a Las Vegas poker tournament where they had home players and players in Las Vegas sitting around the mm -hmm. table in headsets playing a poker game together awesome. um, competitively against one another. So yeah. I've seen that kind of thing done before, and it's actually quite effective. And it's kind of cool to be like in a place playing with people from all over the world or vice versa, you know, getting to participate in something that you just, there's no way you would have been able to afford the plane ticket. And, and I think it also kind of works as a lottery in a way where people just buy the game in the hopes they win, you know, the 10K. Mm -hmm. So I think they're also selling some extra copies now. Yeah, the last one I saw was when Caleb, um, uh, Reality Check VR, and uh, like Sadly oh, but Bradley yeah. went over to was it China? I think Cousin it was Cherry China. as well. Yeah, Cousin yeah, they Cherry, did the, uh, yeah they, What they, tournament was that? It was a big esports tournament for um, yeah. the uh, tactical game, the World War Two one, uh, Final Assault. Yeah. Final assault. Final assault. Yeah, that's right. That was that was a really cool one to watch. Uh, if you can't take place, uh, take part in the tournament because, like me, you're not particularly very good at pistol whip, or you just can't make it, then you can also just watch the finals, uh, which are going to be uh, shown live on Twitch. Um, if you do have the skills to pay the bills, then you can sign up for the pistol whip tournament at valvr.com. So valvr.com. Do you know who's casting that on Twitch or what uh, channel is hosting it? I would imagine it'd be Val. Uh, this okay. is like the, and they're fairly new, um, yep. you know, uh, the VR Athletics League. But I, I hope and I wish them the best of luck because uh, if this is the start, then I can't <laughs> yeah. wait to see where this goes in the future. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So some great news if you're a pistol whip player for sure. <laughs> now let's get into the juicy stuff. Big news wow. this week okay. from wow. HTC. So this is you're going to have to. You know, Listen you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to concentrate for a few minutes because yeah. there's just so much information that you're just to get about to get injected into your ears. Um, so we had a lot of new uh, news from HTC this week, uh, particularly around the Vive Cosmos, um, and they've announced some new uh, headset bundles and faceplates and some other bits and pieces. So let's get into the Cosmos first, and then we'll talk about Project Proton, which is some stuff they've got planned in the future. So they've got a few new Cosmos models. And they've got different names, so I'll go through them one by one. So the first one is called the Cosmos Play. Now, uh, this model is a kind of stripped down version of the original Cosmos headset. Uh, so this only has uh, four inside-out tracking cameras as opposed to six, which the original Cosmos has. And also it no longer has the built-in headphones so they're completely taken off so they're kind of stripping it down to reduce the cost of it and this is kind of like going to be their new entry level cost vr headset bundle still comes with the cosmos controllers uh but like i say it just has four inside out tracking cameras and no built-in headset uh, headphones um, it actually looks exactly like how the original 
Cosmos was unveiled at GDC yeah. over a year ago. I don't know if you remember that with just the two yeah. the two front facing cameras on the front. Uh, Very so that's, kind of that's what it looks like. Plastic look. Yeah, simple stripped down look. sort of look. Yeah. Um, so there's no details on pricing just yet, but of course this will be cheaper than the original Cosmos. And the original Cosmos is priced at 699 US dollars, 699 British pounds. So I'm guessing. This will be a hundred hundred dollars cheaper, a hundred pounds cheaper, making it five nine nine in US dollars and five nine nine in British pounds. That's my guess. Yeah, sure. So that's the first one. Second one is the Vive Cosmos Elite, uh, which does have the audio just like the original Cosmos, but instead of using inside-out tracking, this uses Lighthouse tracking uh, using Steam VR one base stations, and Instead of using the uh, Cosmos controllers, it uses the original Vive ones mm. as controllers, and uh, it's 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 black instead of blue. It's black instead of blue. You're right. Wow, it's black. Yeah, yeah. So you're saying 1.0 base stations? Yeah, 1.0 base stations. Yeah. So not 2.0, which is shipping with the internet. Are they still making 1.0 base stations? Uh, it seems so. Yeah, and it seems like they're still making the controllers as well. Yeah. Okay. Um. So this is going to be available to order from the 24th of February, so in a couple of days. And this will cost you 899 US dollars, 899 British pounds. Um, also, if you've already bought Cosmos and you like this route, you can buy the external tracking front plate separately, which will be available uh, in Q2. But again, no details on pricing on that just yet. And of course, there, you're going to be needing there, base stations and controllers as well. Is there a... Uh, is there like a... A flexible electronic strip going from the current plating to the yes. headset? Yes, there's an interface behind the faceplate. I never yeah. saw that before. Okay, very interesting. Actually, yeah. that opens up a whole realm of faceplate possibilities that yeah. I wasn't expecting. Because really, you know, in terms of like the Cosmos, they're all retaining the same uh, resolution panels, uh, mm. which are 1440 by 1700 pixels per eye panels. Uh, I still have the same features uh, in terms of like the headset and the lenses. It's just the front the front mm. face plates are changing and sometimes yeah. the controller and the tracking hey. system's changing. So it's like the facade <laughs> of the headset. It's yeah. just the very front bit. But, it's um, kind of modular. Very in interesting. Yeah, yeah. Modular. yeah, the modular nature of this is a lot more interesting. Like that I never got that with the original Cosmos, that that was going to be a possible feature. I remember them talking about the interchangeable mm. faceplates, but I didn't get that. And I wonder if that passed by a lot of people, because mm. that's actually a unique selling point for the headset. I don't know another headset that does that. No, no it's quite versatile in that sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so the third one uh, is the Cosmos XR, uh, which is a Cosmos, essentially vanilla Cosmos, uh, but with a different front faceplate face and this features two additional pass-through cameras for AR, so augmented reality. Um, again, no pricing on this model, but this is solely aimed at enterprise and business applications. Um, so not really a consumer headset okay. as such. Um, I was kind of hoping there'd be a frunk there, you know, like a frunk faceplate. They just like patted it out, yeah. gave you some storage capacity. You could go to Ikea, get one of those little things that you insert in it, hang your clothes. No, no, so no, no room for your penguins, unfortunately. So Sad. what I, uh, what I want to say about these new uh, models and faceplates mm. is Weird. that, uh, <laughs> what? Weird? No, no, no. Sorry, oh. I'm just, I'm just. The yeah, news yeah, is yeah, kind yeah, of sinking yeah. into my head, and I'm saying it's a bit weird. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, 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 what I wanted to say is that um, I, uh, I think that these uh, headsets were already in the pipeline when they, you know, were even announcing the first one at CES that they were going to the different ones. So yeah. this, this was already uh, something that was going to happen anyways. Not like 
they sold the Vive Cosmos. We all know that the Vive Cosmos kind of flopped. Yes. Um, but it's not like they then decide to make more to... No, this was already before the Vive Cosmos uh, came out. Yeah, they were committed. Yeah, yeah, they were Manufacturing-wise. Yeah. Because agree. a lot of people said, like, it's so weird they're making more. Well, the other one is still... That's not the story. It was already happening anyways. Um, but um, so, so looping back to the Vive Cosmos, uh, the tracking problems it still has are, as far as I know, software-related, right? Um, or is it hardware? I'm not 100% that's sure. That's something I also don't really know. But, but it, yeah. it's something that never really got resolved 100%. That's true. But I feel like software-wise, they're also not very strong in, in resolving mm. it. And that makes me wonder how well these new headsets are going to perform. Because if that, you know, let's say the Cs is still in, in the original, it's not yeah. going to change in the newer ones. Well, certainly with the Elite, I think it'll be better because, you know, they're already well-versed with outside-tracked headsets. You know, we're using base stations, so that yeah, shouldn't no, be a problem. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's um, superior but, over, you know, inside-out. But. but the one thing I would touch on, so they kind of have a unique opportunity here with this headset, particularly the Elite, um, <sighs> because it's okay. it's 899. It uses external tracking, so you negate the issue of the, the problematic inside-out tracking. Um, and it's $100 cheaper than the Index, and it will be available right now. Whereas the index is out of stock right now, and yeah. they've even said that due to the coronavirus, there's going to be even yeah. further delays with shipping. So they could have a little window of opportunity yeah, but, here that they could monopolize on. But, but, but that, however, I would caveat that I wouldn't recommend it. Um, <laughs> okay. Because, you know, dis even, even despite the tracking issues with Cosmos, the build quality isn't very good. Um, yeah, you weren't impressed with that, right? Yeah, um, it was very plasticky feeling. Uh, it even creaked and made strange noises I, when you had it on your head. I think so, the, the, the main problem is that because you can, you know, uh, uh, flip it up, flip it there's up, a lot of yeah. like le leakage happening too. Yeah, it's for the price and for, you know, if it was cheaper than yeah. people might I mean, have considered it. Personally, my advice would be that if you want a high-end headset, you know, hold out for the index. Uh, it is a hundred extra dollars in the US. It's only an extra twenty pounds in the UK. So, in the if you're in the UK, then it's a no-brainer. You you have <laughs> no to wait brainer. for it. Um, and it's you know, yeah. um, in terms of specs, they're on a very even playing field. But the the Vive, uh, I mean, the the Valve Index is is a higher quality headset in terms of build quality. You get the better controllers and you get two point yeah. tracking and to boot as well. It's it's funny that you mentioned that they have a window now to sell and that that's. Like for them, that's a great opportunity, even if the headset is good or bad, if it works or not, you know, you have a window. So, uh, yep. but I, I think they don't see that window <laughs> because marketing wise, they like, I, I feel like, you know, more than their whole marketing team together in the sense of like, oh, Half-Life is coming out. Maybe we should kind of, you know, use that mm -hmm. in our favor because, you know, you can just throw a tweet out saying like, hey. You want to play Half-Life, uh, Alex, soon, uh, running out of headsets? Uh, buy ours. Yeah. It's simple. But, um, mean, that that perspective, you know, is, is the interesting one for me as well in my position. Mm. Like, there is always a problem or at least a challenge by launching multiple versions of what's really the same core product, even though they're quite different. Like, mm. for one part, you have to convince retail that all these products are worth it and for different target groups. So of course, uh, the, the expensive version is for uh, the enterprise consumers. Uh, then you have to convince them that this is for them and not the other ones. So it puts a massive burden on the communications team, on the marketing team, on the publishing team at yeah. HTC, uh, which, you know, given you know, this window 
is probably something they would have started to work upon months and months ago to to bring this to market in such a clear manner that retail and consumers know exactly which headset to get and why for their specific needs. Um, Mm -hmm. And they already have, you know, (laughs) a bunch of versions out there with the Vive i, Vive i Pro, etc. So, so they're getting into a situation now where they have, you know, it's 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 getting harder and harder to differentiate as a consumer yes. between what's what where I should put my money. Mm-hmm. Um, so this really have they have to really like navigate this from a communicate from a communicative perspective to yeah. to make it super clear. And it's yeah, yeah it, it it takes time. Yeah, and I think this is this has been HTC's weakest marketing campaign. That we've seen, you Com- know, because the communication the hasn't, yeah, the communication hasn't been clear. Um, yeah, so and something, also something like, like, you know, you know what I have been very annoyed by is that, you know, as you said, the original Cosmos launch wasn't so bad compared to the one that they just, you know, rolled out. The thing is that when I found out about these new headsets, I read an article from Engadget. That's already where it goes wrong. I should be reading it at least closer to their source to HTC their website or hearing it from them. So you read the news, you're like, oh, these new headsets coming out, are coming out. So you post about it. And then maybe six, seven hours later, after you found out, then they finally start to roll out their you know, campaign on their Twitter, on their Facebook, etc. Well, you should be on point because the moment the news is already writing about it, mm. people start to have other ideas. You know, yeah. and I felt like they were super slow about it. Uh, then they had the post up where they said, like, these are new headsets. But ap- apparently they made a mistake by not adding the product link in there. So they deleted it. They took it off Twitter. Well, they had a lot of retweets, a lot of, you know, because, you know, if you delete something from Twitter, your algorithm is gone. Your, you know, boost is gone. So they took it offline. They reposted it. Kind of kills the whole, you know, promotion part of that. But the thing I was most shocked by is that the the new trailer they have up of all the headsets, I think Zim was showing it on the stream, where you see people playing with all these different headsets, that they have a wireless adapter, is that there is this one point where someone is acting like they are playing with a standalone VR headset. Yeah, with hand tracking. And there is no wireless. There's also that, um, but that that's possible. That's that's a possibility. But there is no wireless adapter seen anywhere. The one from you know Ygate from Intel, mm-hmm. um, and that's something that shocked me because you can say whatever uh, you want from the VR bubble side, where it's like, oh yeah, but I I know uh, that's not possible and that it's not standalone. But consumers don't know that, mm. so it's yeah, misleading. And the yeah. thing is, if you sell a headset to the wrong person, they they don't come back, you know, that's mm. the thing. So you need to be very careful about that. So again, communication wise, I think they did a bad job. I wish they did better once again, because I do like the modular design too. Yep. You know, that's something that Razer did with OSVR and now they're bringing it back. I think that's awesome. I really like it. And also the fact that the CEO said, uh, hey, we want to bring more colors to the market. And you can, you can say it's silly or something. But that also works, you know, the fact mm, that yeah. HTC went for a blue Vive Pro for the first mm. time and having blue controllers, 
was something different, something unique. But, but I think I think the biggest mistake they made was releasing the headset in its state when it was released because it killed it killed everything yeah. every bit of hype yeah, around the, that headset. Yeah. Because the tracking was so so bad, the lighting conditions had yeah. to be perfect in your play space. Um, every uh, news site, every YouTuber, everyone that got their hands yeah, yeah, on that yeah. device said, "Don't buy it." Yeah. Um, they and, have a they have a reputation problem. You're right. Yeah. And 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 next to that, the fact that the headset wasn't compatible with their own platform for a big yes. part was like like crazy shocking too yeah so it was a bad launch and i think to recover from a bad launch is very difficult because as we said in last week's episode when we talked about the steam hardware stats it was like uh point something percent it was yeah. less yeah. than one percent users were using the cosmos and a similar amount of people were using yeah. like the the dk2 um so that kind of puts yeah. you know a bit of perspective I, there. I think i think a lot of developers are holding off with this one and and also the fact that it has its own custom controllers also doesn't help it you yeah. know if it was using the of course you can use ones now and stuff like that's that. A, that's uh, a really good point, actually. Something I haven't considered, and maybe Andreas can answer this question. You know, how how difficult is it for from a developer's standpoint when you do have, you know, uh, an Oculus Touch, a, a Vive um, uh, wand, you know, an Index controller, and and all these other controllers, Windows MR, for example. How much effort and time goes into remapping all the different controls to different controllers in a development of a game? It's it's actually quite a lot. Uh, one of the reasons we ha- we never made uh, Windows Mixed Reality custom controllers for our first game, Apex Construct, uh, we basically just mimicked the ones from from Vive, uh, the same button schematics, and and uh, which is not optimal, but you know it's 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 good enough, and and the install base isn't that much, so we had to wait like. Should we spend a few extra weeks of manpower on optimizing the controllers for this platform, or should we just try to get the, the game version as good as possible? And then we made that decision for uh, for Windows Mixed Reality. Um, it is tricky. I mean, it's, it's not only the fact that you have to create these custom button schematics. You also have to make tutorials in your game specifically mm-hmm. for uh the way you move around with a wand or the windows mixed reality controller or the focus controllers so and and then of course if you have localized text in the game you have to localize the copy so it reflects the exact buttons and the sticks or whatever touch pads on that controller so there's a bunch of mm-hmm. like levels of complexity that's being added to any uh controller you add really yeah. so it's, it's people you know, we get that question a lot. Of, Why aren't you just doing that? It's, it must be the easiest <laughs> thing in the world. It's, it, it really, really isn't. No. Yeah. That, that, that also makes me wonder, like, how do you, um, let's say, consider a certain headset? Because as Mike said, some of them are getting used a lot on Steam. Some of them don't. So how yeah. do you make an indication of, okay, this headset is, let's say, relevant enough to uh, make a part for I think our our in the best of worlds we make them all yeah but we yeah. have to start from the top down so uh, you know it, today it's relatively easy to define the mandatory headsets to optimize everything for like the Oculus yeah. Quest Rift the Vive etc. Um, there is always a discussion on adding resources from a dev perspective to also do it for the lesser used headsets. So we have the same data as you're looking at at Steam, for example. We have indications of install base from certain first party platforms or super data uh, who are sometimes right in their estimations. Yeah. 
we have those kind of things to make a decision like is it viable for us to to put the resource on this and if we do that what what will we not be doing for the game and uh, you know it's it's a boring answer but it's all down yeah. to end uh, revenue i would say mm. like yeah. is it That's is it true. is it worth it really yeah. to, to do this uh, no all developers want to optimize their game for every mm. single platform out there uh, but it's it's just not the case. There's a line you have to draw somewhere, usually. Sometimes you can patch it in post-launch as well if there's high mm-hmm. demand or if a specific headset starts selling like crazy, for example. Yeah. Uh, so we have to keep that, that ear towards the market and saying, hey, guys, you know, this headset that we never supported at launch, now it's time to actually do that yeah. because... There's a uh, there's a lot of people coming yeah. into the headset. It's it, it must be a hard situation to be in because a lot of developers have their heads against the the wall because of the fact that if you do not part over a certain VR headset or controller, they get angry. Then they review bomb you on Steam, yeah. saying like, "Oh yeah, it's not working on the the headset I bought," and stuff like that. So it must be kind of tricky to say, "Oh, maybe we can add it in later." But hey, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, that happened for Boldworks. Yeah, the first few days before the the yeah. uh, the Windows Mixed Reality yeah. version was optimized, they had like sixty percent or so uh, in the last first few hours of launching the game in an average user review score because of Windows Mixed Reality consumers. Mm. You know, going in and putting it down to a one because their version of the game wasn't supported. So, you know, of course, everyone understood that this will change <laughs> because they are really, really few comparing to uh, Vive owners uh, mm. or Rift owners who will, of course, give it a ten. So, you know, that said, in a few hours, of course, the average review score was up on the ninety something. But, you know, if 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 a consumer came into the Steam store page for the first few hours, had no idea about Boneworks, you know, maybe one or two didn't, saw an average review score of 60 or 55 or whatever it was, uh, and decided to leave, that's a lost sale for you. So mm. it's absolutely a risk that, that's always there as a developer. Like, are we, are we actually risking to anger this specific group yeah. of people? Do you, do you mm. feel like there's like more pressure now with more headsets coming out? Because every time yeah. there's another one getting added, you're like, oh, but we have to actually consider <laughs> this one too now. We have no other choice. It is. And I, I, I think that's also why we're seeing more staggered releases on different platforms. Like, yeah, um, uh, yeah. I mean, usually you see you see games being released in, you know, for Oculus Quest or Rift first and then PlayStation VR a month after, and then PC VR later in that, or, or vice versa. Uh, Ghost Giant did it, for example, with, with Quest now. Mm-hmm. That's also why, you know, you can't optimize all headsets at once. Maybe you can, but it requires a lot of time and resources. So either you make a decision to say, let's focus on the PC VR version and make that the yeah. best, and then we do the Quest version, make sure that's kick ass when we launch yeah. that, instead of having multiple versions going live at the same time, all of them having issues, yeah. ang- angering the fan bases, having to reply to them, having to fix that. I, I think you know having all these these increasing amount of headsets will probably make developers make that decision more so going forward to actually select yeah. a platform as the first release platform and then stagger the rest. Hmm. Yeah, uh, that's, that's interesting. That's yeah. yeah, so definitely uh, to everyone out there, it's not as easy as just like flipping a switch and saying like, you know, MR support done, <laughs> index tough. support, tick box done, you know. 
they're not just kicking back playing games <laughs> that, that it's actually a lot of work so no it's interesting yeah. to get that insight into it for sure um so just to recap that was the cosmos models that they announced so that was cosmos play cosmos elite and cosmos xr now on top of all this to add even more confusion um to the mix they also uh talked to engadget about some headsets that they're working on for the future uh, and this was under the code name of project proton so we've got kind of two headsets that they kind of showed models of and we got some kind of very vague information about them. So we don't have any mm. official specs. So uh, this is just information that HTC provided to Engadget. So the first headset out of the two designs is referred to as an all-in-one headset and it very much looks like a standalone headset which I guess would have PC connectivity uh, as a feature, just like the Oculus Quest with Oculus Link. So think of it as like a kind of a headset that does both, a bit like Quest. Um, so this model, it looks like it kind of has a battery pack or maybe like the processing unit uh, at the back of the headset where the adjustment dial is on the head strap. Yeah. And I guess this is kind of, they've been listening to the community feedback in relation to Quest in that it's quite front heavy and they wanted to design a headset that's kind of more balanced out in terms of weight, which I think is a, a smart yeah. move. And I actually like the design concept it's, of this. Uh, what, it's, what do you guys think? It's very similar to the HoloLens 2. Yes, you're right. Uh, yeah, the, especially the back. It's it's very much uh, the same. Mm. Uh, yeah, I I would agree with Nate. It looks like a direct design lift from yeah. Hololens. I, I, I do yeah. think comfort wise, HTC is able to pull it off. I I think that most of the headsets they made comfort wise were always you know yep. good in that sense. Mm. So I, I'm not that you know considered about that. Yeah. Uh, well, to be honest, uh, Quest you know really needs a competitor. It does, 100%. Uh, competition yeah. is, is critical to, to also put pressure on Facebook to keep pushing boundaries yeah. with, with the Quest headset or with Quest 2 or whatever might come next from them. So if, yeah. if yeah. this is a Quest competitor, mm. but, but you know highly competitive from a price standpoint or from a comfort standpoint or even from a performance standpoint, I would, that's, that would be amazing. For, yeah, yes. and the winners would be all players out there yeah uh, no i totally agree yeah. I, I totally agree and i would welcome you know them uh, anyone out there to compete with quest and, and bring a viable competitor to the market 100 yeah. percent. and let's hope with this model that it is htc um the model uh, that we've seen also shows kind of a, a sleek built-in audio solution with these kind of drop down uh, sections yeah. by your ears looks really nice yeah. and uh, discreet i really like the look of it uh design caught my eyes as well yeah. just because again, and I, I would equate that back to the soundbar on the audio uh, on the Oculus Go, mm. how impressed I was when I first put that on and was like, wow, they got that much quality out of this. Mm. Um, so I really think that a decent and consumer acceptable audio solution is possible in that form factor. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I, what wasn't clear from the image was whether or not they would fold up to the strap and then kind of come down again. It, I suspect so. I, I guess so. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Um, so that was the, the first model, which we all are assuming at this point that it's going to be a standalone headset. Uh, the second model is referred to as an all-in-two headset, uh, which is kind of an unusual term. Um, and, yeah. and this one, it doesn't have a full head strap. Uh, and instead, it kind of looks like a, an oversized pair of glasses in that it's got like these kind of arms um, that rest over your ears, just like a normal pair of glasses would, although be it a lot bigger. Uh, and that's kind of the way of describing it for the audio <laughs> listeners. Willy Wonka approves. Exactly. Uh, I honestly think this is uh, this is a headset you have to see to understand it, but um, <laughs> it looks like it could come with a fair amount of discomfort. I'd love to 
to put it on to understand how it's yeah my head you're right because all the weight is going to either be resting on your nose um or 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 tops of your ears i'm thinking it's got to be quite rigid in other words the the arms that go like you said the kind of fat glasses bands that wrap around the back kind of towards the the rear of your skull that needs to be quite firm and in place and if it is then the uh, ratcheting in if that's at all possible yeah. here i guess not i mean if they're holding enough it doesn't have to wrap the whole way around the back of your head but if they're if they're holding enough then you can still have the headset kind of pulling in your head mm. but how it's going to get that grip yeah. unless unless those are really rigid and almost immobile like they're made of steel or something um it's for, it's I, for people with strong ears yeah i don't so, know so plastic you, you is men- going to do that you mentioned earlier that i'm a huge he-man fanatic and that's very much true and, and the reason I'm saying that is <laughs> there is a uh, there's a bad guy. Oh, he's actually a good guy. Sorry, he's a good guy. He looks like a bad guy. Uh, character called Bussoff. Yeah, okay, with, with two sets, Bussoff, and he's like this uh, bee beach <laughs> character. Yeah, if you look him up, uh, when he puts his glasses on top of his uh, eyes, that's that's relatively much like I think oh, what the headset I'm looking so at. So that's really? where it came from. That's the reference. Wait, yeah, so we... so there, this means that there's a new movie coming about, out about He-Man. There should be a there should be a VR. This game is like this is, they're, they're working on merchandise. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> that's where they got it from. <laughs> there's a Netflix um, series coming out, so maybe there's a co- some kind of cool promotion <laughs> happening. I don't know. It's like trigger there. Muscle. <laughs> um. But the the thing with this device is that it does seem, unlike the first headset, which looked standalone because it didn't have any wires shown in the picture, this does have a wire attached to it. Mm. And the, this kind of rumor is that it's going to be powered uh, by an external device, uh-huh. uh, and that'd be like with actual electricity power and both processing power as well. So it's going to kind of be a, bo- a bare-bones headset, but with the ability to be able to connect uh-huh. it to either a PC or a mobile device for power and processing. That's the... feels like they're filling in the gaps with these. Uh, so you said this is Project Proton, right? What's yes. the name? And that's bridging both of these products? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, it, it... Yeah, I, I, again, it just feels like they're kind of looking at the grid of product capabilities and going, yeah. where can we jump in? Yeah. Um, and, and they're kind of answering that you know tetherable lightweight pc or mobile tether headset yeah and then maybe quest competitor but i like the look of both of them to be honest it's yeah. the first thing out of vive since the original vive mm-hmm. that's got me a little bit excited um and you know this is just concept i suppose at the moment how far did they go with engadget in their interview this is the thing it is very basic concept stage right now um they do hint at the fact that both headsets will use uh front-facing inside-out tracking cameras uh for pass-through mm-hmm. and tracking um, and they're kind of hidden behind those kind of like front glass plates um, and also also um, are rumored to support 5G connectivity. Obviously, 5G is the big buzzword, uh, in, yeah. which gets tied to VR a lot just recently as well. So uh, 5G connectivity, whether that will mean edge, um, you know, cloud based computing, I highly doubt it because, you know, when you look at what Stadia are doing and NVIDIA are doing with uh, edge based computing power, it's it's so hard mm. and, and they're just pushing like, you know, 1080 p at 60 frames maximum whereas you know yeah. pushing vr headset resolutions at 90 hertz um and if you dip below that it then becomes uncomfortable to the point it could make someone sick or that's that's very very hard i mean it's it's oh. very possible oculus could snap back and re-release the I, dk1 I, 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 uh, wireless stadia powered headset <laughs> I, I, like i don't see why we're still talking about 5g you know when i uh, was at dpvr's uh, office they were already working on their 6g uh, you know, oh, stuff. <laughs> 
Let's just make AG then, you know, let's make <laughs> yeah. it better. Um, let's just flick the lens. Let's, yeah. let's start at 12 then, you know, to have a head start. <laughs> and although I do think these concepts are very interesting and I do like the design and, you know, I would like competition with the Quest from HTC, uh, I do find it very strange that they announce or, or, or give heads, you know, these details of these headsets at the same time, literally within yeah. the same hour yeah, that, of that's, announcing their that's three Cosmos. Because this is, way, this is, let's say, the positive news that yes. really makes you... Uh, you know, uh, like for the reputation part, it's good to have like something for the future. But then, yeah, releasing it at the same time. Also, same website, too. Yeah. It's like it like I, I was totally into the whole Cosmos thing. And then you said like, oh, wait, there's more. I'm like, more what? Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It, it, don't it know. confuses people even more, I think. And, and, and almost the way I sort of see it from my opinion was, oh, we've got this stuff about the cosmos, which, you know, I know a lot of you people out there don't really care about. But just to let you know, we're still in the game here because we're making something really cool yeah, in the future. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, like... So um, something that I should also point out is that uh, what made it even harder for them is that, you know, uh, when I was uh, planning to go to MWC, um, mm. they were going to, I think, announce it there. Um, so the the Cosmos uh, headsets, maybe maybe even the um, you know the new one uh, that they were working on, the Proton, um, then it would have been fine because then you can you know uh, roll out these press releases stuff like that. But since it got cancelled because of the whole you know thing, yeah. <laughs> then um, um, they had to kind of come up with a different plan quickly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I used to work for a couple of big uh, gaming developers or publishers back in the days, and it's it's relatively often that announcements are being made from a stock perspective. I'm not, I'm not saying that this is the case right now with all these announcements, but sometimes it, it plays in. Like you have a financial fiscal year ending for the company and you have to make certain announcements for the stock, for the shareholders. Um, you know, just, you know, may, maybe it has something to do with the fact that they're talking about five different headsets at the same time. Yeah. Um, not sure. Uh, ultimately, the core headset is the same. You know, it's just different faceplates and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, yeah. yeah. Could be clearing old stock. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, um, so, sorry, I always say shares. No, no, he means stock like shares. Yeah, oh, stock, stock like shares. shares. Yeah. Oh, I see. Not, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, good point. Um, so that is all the HTC news. I know there was a lot of it to digest, so hopefully that was all clear for you. So just to sort of recap, you've got three new Cosmoses, Cosmos Play, Cosmos Elite, Cosmos XR, and then you've got these two Project Proton headsets. One's referred to as uh, an uh, inside, uh, what, is it? what do they call it? An All-in-two? All-in-one headset and then an all-in-two headset, which again is very confusing. Um, <laughs> but as soon as we have any more information, particularly about Project Proton, which I think is the, the most interesting point, like Nathy said, then we'll cover it uh, with the specs and stuff on the channel. Uh, yeah. Soon. Also, we should also not screw around anymore by mentioning XR because we were talking about this whole thing, and now they named one of their headsets. And I think we have, you know, a part to play in that. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Not. But <laughs> it's that I don't know. Like net net. Like this. This news, right? There's only one word uh, which I could attribute to it, which is confused. Yeah. I, I think their whole strategy is is entirely confused. I think they need a a person to march in, a product director with a death scythe, cut eight of the ten whatever available headsets they've got, and focus. It's just, they're, they're going to kill themselves. Yeah. As you're, saying, you're, saying, you're saying you have to buy a focus. 
That was amazing. We already have fun. the vibe focus. What am I complaining exactly. about? Sorry. Yeah, this is why we have Andreas on the show for, for <laughs> classic moments like that. Uh, that thank you very that much for really that, dude. That really uh, so, right, that's all the HTC news. Last bit of news this week. And I know we're getting on a little bit, um, but, you know, it, we've got a lot to talk about. So, you know. There we, there you go. <laughs> <Deal with it. laughs> um, last bit of news this week is uh, the Prince of Persia uh, from Ubisoft yeah. is coming to VR, uh, which is awesome. But sadly, it's, can I buy it? it's not coming to home users. Uh, it's oh. it's going to be a, a VR yeah. arcade escape room experience. Happens. Yeah, it's good though so, to have some some content for the arcades as well. That is like let's say triple A uh, to you know, has yeah, a, absolutely. A so yeah, if if Nim Sony's still in the chat and he, he worked on this or <laughs> no, had any out. idea about this, he said like he wasn't allowed to talk about anything. Oh, right, he left. Okay. Well, you can also Nim. send us an email under an anonymous name, and uh, yeah, know, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I like th this is really interesting, and I think you're right. Like every time this kind of news comes out, I kind of feel like if you're the social media manager behind this, this announcement, you must be like. <laughs> You know, like, like look away from the keyboard when you press enter because <laughs> the, who are you communicating to? Mostly consumers. And 90% of your audience, I'd imagine, are not going to find their way to mm. playing this game. Uh, and the trouble is, and Rowdy and I have done a couple of things like that, like when you play that location-based experience or an arcade cabinet type VR experience and you cannot bring it home, it it's quite frustrating. Yeah. It's tough. It's uh, even, even the stuff with, um, I'm trying to remember, not IMAX, but the VR equivalent. Uh -huh. um, Void. Folks who were there at OC5. Oh, uh, oh you oh, mean the Void? The Void. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, it, it's difficult to communicate the Void to someone who hasn't tried it. So awesome. There isn't really any way to bring that home. Mm. But for something like this, it's almost like there's, there's almost just a, a, a cost, you know, development resource boundary as an excuse to say it couldn't come no, to the consumer no, market. It, it's similar to installations in yeah, an art The gallery. thing is, are, how are, like, okay, so... You have six friends coming over. How the heck are you going to build a freaking escape room into your own house like that? Like the whole party system in the VR scene at home is not really a thing yet. Yet. Yeah. Might happen. Plus, um, a lot of people don't have the money for VR headsets. So they go to arcades to have this, you know, uh, group experience. Um, if you yeah. had a swimming pool at home, if you had a cinema at home, if you had a golf course at home. <laughs> it's you know it's kind of like the same deal. I know, I know but some people do. Uh, I'm billionaire Bill. Yeah, okay, you know, okay. Escape room. I haven't seen that title yet. I would love yeah. to know if there's any billionaires out there with like escape yeah. room houses and they just trap people for fun. <laughs> for a fact, like Ubisoft has made more arcade titles than they made uh, once for home users. They made uh, the Raving Rabbits, uh, Ski Rodeo, whatever it's called. Mm -hmm. They mm -hmm. made uh, an, an room scale. Uh, Raving Rabbits VR game that I played at Two Bit Circus in LA. They also have, of course, something with Assassin's Creed. Uh, then, of course, they now have like Prince of Persia coming, uh, and they also make. Well, I don't know if they make the machines themselves, but they, their games are also uh, attached to a actual simulator. So they, I feel like they're more active in the arcade business and the location-based business than they are in the in the consumer market. Yeah. So like, so, like, answer me this. Like, if you wanted to go and have a VR arcade experience with some friends, their tweet talks about 3,000 locations globally. Is there an inventory, an index somewhere of, like, VR-capable locations? Is there something like the um, the Steam Cafe program where you can actually see a list of what you can do and where you can play it? Does that exist? Yes. So it's 300 locations uh, across uh, Europe and North America. 
um, and they're, they're all listed on the uh, Ubisoft um, Escape Room VR website. Uh, they have a, a specific website for their Escape Room experiences, and Nathy was right in that um, although this Prince of Persia one is their latest one, they've actually released two Assassin's Creed-themed Escape Room VR experiences Seriously. already, um, and they're called um, Escape the Lost Pyramid and Beyond Medusa's Gate. Uh, you can already check them out already. And interestingly enough, because we normally talk about VR arcade experiences and say, go and check them out in America somewhere, but we never get yeah. to try them ourselves. Mm. I had a look, and Nathy will be happy, and I'll be happy, because there is an arcade in Gron- Groningen, uh, which is where the airport is, right? Near yeah, you. Exactly. Yeah, I remember I flew in there when I came and visited you. So there's an arcade there that's going to have all these uh, Ubisoft experiences for you to check oh, out. Nice. And there's also some in London. Sadly, not any in Scotland. So you're kind of screwed. Uh, wait, there. and the rest of Europe is. Covered, yeah, like Amsterdam, you know, or, or like the, so there's, there's, France, the, in Spain, and Italy, yeah, there's, everywhere. There's, you... there's quite a few actually. So aside from Ubisoft, right? So that so they've got a couple of titles out, and it's in, in these locations. That's what I'm wondering. Like, is there a, uh, a VR domain right. specific yellow book no. for VR arcades? And it's like, why hasn't someone gone to that space? Because it feels like if you aggregated that data, yeah you could put together advertising on the website and start to make yourself some money. Similar to what SideQuest is now doing for, you know, users. It's also, trafficking I, I there. think also a reason why is because, uh, I feel like all arcades are all over the place. Uh, some of them are, you know, uh, private owned arcades. Others are trying to make a business out of it. Then you have, as I said, two bit circus, you have the VR zone, you know, the Japanese, uh, you know, uh, yeah. Arcades. Um, then you have So Real. It's like the the first one out there. Super big, by the way. I've never seen an arcade that big. Um, so there are also different, you know, uh, genres in that sense. And they are all using own platforms. They are all using their own content, or they buy content. So it's it's not. They're not playing under one flag. Yeah. Uh, if they did, then I think it would be easier. Uh, but with the Assassin's Creed one, and also Prince of Persia, the nice part about that is that. If you are an arcade owner and you don't want to, let's say, or you don't have the money to uh, in-house build VR experiences, then these are interesting to, you know, get, especially for gamers who know Assassin's Creed or Prince of Persia, because most of the arcade titles you can play are just unknown titles. Like, oh, Zombie Shooter 2.0, uh, <laughs> like these weird-ass names like Dinosaur Survival. It's like they always have these genius names to it. But with this, you you know, you buy a nice package. And it's also, yeah. I think, like, I, I didn't try them yet, but Ubisoft is, you know. Yeah, and, and this new Prince of Persia is called um, The Dagger of Time. And this is probably why you can't play this at home, uh, Zim, is because it's a two to four player local VR experience. So you need a minimum. I thought you were going to say you got an actual dagger. Getting Sadly not. Well, maybe. <laughs> Can you bring um, your dagger with you? You can't, to get definitely can't bring any bring of your own, own from oh, home. Oh, okay. uh, but you do get to control, like, what is it, The Dagger of Time, uh, which is in the Prince of Persia dagger games. Um, so like I, I said, it's, it's a two to four player game, uh, set in the Arabian Nights kind of inspired universe. And as a team, you have to kind of avoid traps. You have to, this is really interesting. You have to manipulate time and you have to ascend a fortress to reach the hourglass chamber and defeat an evil mage to stop the release of hordes of sand monsters. Uh, now, now that is particularly interesting because if, if anyone's ever played games like, um, with slow, slow down mechanics yes. and multiplayer, like this is something that you it's a design hurdle that you generally cannot overcome 
when you tag multiplayer to it. Because, mm-hmm. okay, the four of us are playing. Take an example. Uh, fear, multiplayer, online, <laughs> uh, as an example. Yeah. You could play first-person shooter. Yeah. Um, and there was a time slowdown mechanic, which would cause all of us to slow down mm. for the period when the, the triggering player triggered it. So I'm really interested if there's a, uh, a timeline mechanic that does some control. Now, I think in Prince of Persia, it's generally, it'll be it'll be state-based. So you'll start in, uh, again, even at, at a particular time and you'll move back to something else. I remember also you could respawn and that was one of the points about the whole um, time control was rather that oh, it gave you kind of infinite lives because you yeah. could just rewind. Like, um, so, but for a multiplayer experience, I wonder how that on, would Like, honestly, go. I don't know. Again, I haven't played it, but it's going to be very dumbed down. They just use the Prince yeah. of Persia name to, you know, same with Raving Rabbits. You know, when I played it, it's not like Raving Rabbits that I played on my PlayStation 2, you know, when it came out. So it's, it's something different. They just use the name to sell it off. Um, but it's not. But you didn't play a Raving Rabbits VR game. I did. Yeah, I did. You did. Yeah, you, I did with Terreal actually, oh. and we have some videos of it. It's super funny. It was like a maze oh, that I... they build, and then you were walking through these little corridors, and these, um, you know, Raving Rabbits were just popping up, and you had to shoot them with that, you know, uh, that gun with the the plunges or something mm-hmm. to kill them. Um, but yeah, so Thank so uh, uh, it's it's pretty cool what Ubisoft is doing in the arcade space, um, huh. and. Um, there is a lot of money into it as well. I mean, not a lot of money. You know, that sounds like you become billionaires in a, in a day. But Surreal is focusing a lot on yeah. location-based mm-hmm. for a long time yeah. now. And they, they seem to yes you know, not stopping doing that. Um, so yeah, they have uh, their own arcades even. Exactly, you know? exactly. Yeah. So, you know, there, there's... I think there is a high level of uncertainty in home VR gaming at the moment. There's yeah. we saw some data coming just last week now that yeah. you know there's just a few games you know netting in over a million in revenue. Um, yeah. And you know, of course, using a well-known IP like Prince of Persia, you have a higher chance of penetrating to the consumer audiences on, on multiple platforms. But location-based is. I would say it's established enough now so that companies have started doing it as a sort of an afterwork thing or a mm. kickoff thing as well. Yeah. Uh, that's what's happening a lot in Stockholm. It's, it's always like fully booked at VRX and it's only uh, companies doing it really uh, as a kickoff yeah. thing. So the concept is established and there's less risk, I think, because you have dedicated partners selling the product for you over and over and over again. and and. Uh, you know, a contract for them to use it for however long. Yeah. So yeah, that's true. Like a great example is uh, uh, <clears throat> Space Pirate Trainer. You know, they haven't made a, a new game in a while, yeah. but you know, Space Pirate Trainer is in every arcade I've been to. So they they are selling a lot of licenses for that. So it's yeah. it's also extra revenue as a developer, maybe even more revenue in the long run than mm-hmm. you you get on Steam or Oculus Home. Yeah, because you know it constantly gets played again, and you just get your money every month. So yeah, it's a good business to be in. But I, so, yeah, I, yeah, sorry. Go on. No, go on. No, I was, you know, I, I when I when I dream a bit about location-based experiences, right now it's like twenty minutes or so, or maybe thirty minutes to a maximum, because you have they have to have concurrent, you know, consumers coming in uh, to pay them. <laughs> if they have too long experiences, you have to charge a ridiculous amount of money for that. But I would love to play a more meaty experience, location-based, sometime. I would like to see some kind of specialist LBVR company doing a two hour adventure, you know, for four people or something. Wow. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, like a zombie run. Like they do that, like, you know, uh, outskirts of London, for instance, they'll give people paintball guns and have them run into an old mall or something. Yeah. I agree completely. I would, and I think it's coming. I think it's it's similar in, to the, you know, the feeling that we had three, four years ago when we're like, why are people keep pushing teleport locomotion? Uh, That's not the way forward. Um, and and why aren't we, you know, why aren't we, why aren't we pushing forward with that? And now we see in the last two years, great swathing adoption of that. And I think that it's really just a matter of the average consumer's appetite and mm. stamina mm. for long yeah. VR experiences. Once that's there, the demand is going to be there as well, and hence people will be able to do it. I think that's the only thing holding it back, because that, that's going to be amazing. Yeah. We've played um, some of those run-around quest, you know, games at Oculus Connect before, and I, I would pay through the nose to do something like that again in the warehouse somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Like like arcades are still trying to figure out uh, how long people want to play. And and the thing is also like most people who come into an arcade have never experienced VR before. Exactly. So 15 minutes yeah. to 20 minutes is pretty, yeah. well, pretty intense, I would say. Absolutely. Um, but um, well, for some of the bigger cities, they sometimes tend to do longer because the thing is, if people do get motion sick and they don't want to come back, it's not a big problem because it's a big city. So an hour later, someone else is already going to pop up. So you constantly have new customers. But the smaller ones, yeah, they really have to be careful, you know, with 15 to 20 minutes. So, yeah, the business risk, it depends. But, you know, the more risk, the more fun, I would say. But Yeah. And so so this is, um the, like I said, the cool thing about the time thing is that you can stop, rewind and fast forward time. But it seems like only one player can do that and they have to be the one that's in control of the, the time dagger. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it seems like a. This is what the, I love. I love games hitting the same design challenge and o- overcoming it in different ways. Yeah. So that is um, the Prince of Persia VR Room Escape Experience. Uh, it's going to be available for, to try out in the spring at over 300 escape rooms around the world, including Europe and North America. So uh, visit uh, Ubisoft Escape Room VR and you can find out all the locations nearby and uh, book your slot with your friends to go and check it out. So I know the news has kind of dragged on a lot longer than we usually do, but we've had a lot to talk about this week. So let's get into the gl- the game releases this week, because I think we've got some more interesting ones to talk about, right, Zim? <laughs> well, by the first one, you're going to kill me, but uh, the rest of them are good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, if, if you were ever like in a Starbucks and you were thinking, hey, I could do this job better, well, now you can. Um, the fourth instance, any of you, do any of you know a game, a VR game, that has a fourth uh, edition of the game already out. Fourth I mean, edition. like you've had, so you've had a sequel, you've had a third, now you've had a fourth. Oh. Any VR anymore? games? VR games with a fourth edition. <sighs> I'm curious if chat comes up with any because there there can't be that many. No, that's true. I was just thinking that's... of Five Nights at Freddy's because they've had so many games yeah. out, but they're all pancake ones. But no. Just the one VR, mm. right? I'm thinking of anyone else who's iterated. It's got to be something indie. but And uh, PD, uh, No Man's Sky doesn't count. <laughs> but four different games. So Counterfight oh, 4 yeah. is like oh, yeah. Counterfight, yeah. which uh, Nathan might remember. I played the first two as well. Oh, my God. Uh, initially started off as kind of you were you were sitting behind uh, in a ramen shop, uh, putting noodles yeah. and soup together real yeah. fast, and then you were doing sushi. And then on the third instance, they moved on to a pizza <laughs> shop. 
because uh, hey, why not westernize it? Because it's been <laughs> such a, a fantastic sales. Um, and now they've moved to take down Starbucks. So you're now in a coffee shop serving lattes. Oh my god. Um, so you might ask, well, after four instances, what is going to be different about this counterfeit? Um, so they've said, well, if the if the shop is full, now they've got a takeaway window. So for takeaway or takeout for the Americans. Um, so you, in addition to the four seats that you're used to serving, now you have an additional window seat to, uh, to, to deal with. And then there's also some support. So apparently you get, I think it's an angel, not a gentleman named Angel, uh, who helps you if you meet certain requirements, uh, helps you out with the orders. And let me tell you, not an easy job in Counterfight. Counterfight no. has always been quite uh, an aggressive um, VR equivalent of like Overcooked. It's single player, it's not a multiplayer game, and you are trying to throw ingredients together and serve customers. And every so often, I remember in the first two games, you'd have people come in and try to rob you. Yeah. And you had to deal with them by throwing, again, ramen in their face or whatever. Yeah. So, again, I, I actually quite enjoyed the first two games that I played, but after that, I'd kind of had my fill. They had the third pizza one, which I totally missed, because, hey, Tower of Pizza or whatever, I would have totally gone <laughs> for that. I'm not much of a coffee dude, but if you are... Then there you go. Counterfight VR launching for PC VR, 20th of February. So this is already out. Nice. Uh, 24 quid if you want uh, for the whole four bundle, um, or it's only six pounds and about ten dollars if you're looking for counterfight. Well, you, well, you're right. That's actually a pretty good, you know, start. Ten ten quid for a game like that? No, is not it's not bad. a bad game. Um, uh, like we're laughing about, but it's actually a legit game. <laughs> yeah, it, it, no, it is, and the design mechanics are good <laughs> yeah. and all that. And yeah. My personal favorite game in that category is VR Diner Duo, mm, yeah. um, which is a fantastic game, great to play with another uh, with another also player for kids. Uh, as well. Great game um, for kids. Excellent game for for kids. Kids go crazy even, even about made that. Like, for kids, you can adjust the the table yeah. to all the way to mm. I don't know uh, Hobbit size. Yeah, and I I don't remember there being that feature in Counterfight, so watch out if you are looking. Um, I'll report back if I do get to try this one out. I'm just already happy that we're we're already got you know a better level here than the previous two don't, weeks combined. Mike, so. Mike, don't don't jinx this, Mike, please. Please yeah. go on. All right. Um, well, yeah, this next one is going to surprise you, I think, uh, which was a Viveport exclusive for a month. Now landed on Oculus Home. I wonder if anyone's going to be able to guess what this one is. Um, <laughs> No, I don't know. It's a Sundance selection from 2019. It is narrated by Colin Farrell. I know. Oh, I know. Gloomy eyes. Uh -huh, these these guys know. Gloomy yeah, eyes. Gloomy yeah. eyes. Yeah. I was actually, gloomy you know, eyes. I, I, we were at Rain Dance Festival in London getting an award for the Curious Tale of Stolen Pets, and I met the producer who had gloomy eyes at the, at the Rain Dance, and they won two awards that night. And I, I got to experience it because it's really like, this experience it's not it's not a well it's not a game per se it's more like a movie that you that, that yeah. happens around you but it's it's super super cool i really yeah, like it. i i as as a, as again an animated vr experience and just to describe this for our audio listeners um again you have the nice sultry tones of colin farrell for those of you who don't yeah. know him famous uh, movie star um and it's quite tim burton-esque mm -hmm. is the way um most commentators describe it yeah. Uh, so it's like a bit of a dollhouse in terms of what you're looking at. Um, and it's uh, it's this kind of experimental story. I think I would equate it to the film Warm Bodies, where there was this zombie kid who was dead, mm. and he woke up, and he had a real... I think the girl was a real human, and they had a relationship. So it's kind of like a love story, um, everything that I've heard about it. And as I said, this was previously, interestingly, uh, a, a Viveport exclusive for yeah, a that's month. That's weird. 
um, has picked up a couple of awards. Um, and, and this is their little tagline. So they said, when the sun got tired of the humans, it decided uh, to hide and never rise again. Uh, the darkness awoke the dead from their graves, and a zombie kid called Gloomy, the one with the glowy eyes, and a mortal girl called Nina, um, fell in love and immersed in a deep connection that's not, not, not even the most powerful man in town can destroy. It's an animated VR series. They're saying it's releasing in three parts, and one of the early versions of this um, was, I think, only about eight minutes long or thereabouts. I'm curious, Andreas, when, what you experienced, how long was it roughly? I never watched it to the end, but I did I did watch for more than eight minutes. Uh, so it's yeah. definitely longer than that. Yeah. I, I got that vibe as well. So what I think I picked up comments-wise was from uh, earlier when they were at, like, again, Sundance and festivals like this. This has been padded out. Um, I took a peek at it earlier. I think it looks quite good. Yeah. Pricing-wise, it's $15 or $11.40 in pounds. Um, this is available since the 20th of February on Oculus Home, and for those Vive users, it's been available for the last month, so maybe you've already caught it. But I hadn't heard about this one before kind of doing some research on it today, so um looks quite good. Mm. Andreas is obviously giving it a thumbs yeah. up. And definitely one that I'm keen on checking out. But yeah, Definitely. I'm looking forward to checking this one as well. Yeah, there's a clever usage of VR. I think when when the, the you know the interact or the movie is actually happening around you, you have to look down mm. to the scrapyard where they're standing, and then they move upwards mm. towards, and it's it's happening above you. So it's uh, it is it's pretty cool. It's nice that we get stuff from film festivals because usually it's only something you can watch there. But you know, this yeah. is something that you know comes to other platforms. That's yeah. awesome. This is something we keep asking yeah. for, right? Bring us, shovel us over the goods. Never gets right? old. You can keep. You know, animations in VR never gets old. You know, even if you really don't true. have to interact with the characters, it's amazing to just watch and learn yeah. and experience. Yeah. Even like Coco and those oh, experiences yeah. are quite no, good. amazing. Coco, yeah. Yeah. Okay, this is the one that I teased uh, last time. So mm. the next one on our list is <clears throat> the one that I'm sure Nathan's already grooving. I, I already, uh, like, even this week, I'm not sure if you've seen it, I have been challenging I saw, you. I saw. <laughs> 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 You're challenging me to get my groove on. So for those who have been around, I can't believe this, by the way. I had a Dreamcast. Who've been around for the 20 years since the original title landed, Space Channel 5 oh, VR, yeah. kind of funky news flash, <laughs> landing funny. for PSVR. Heavy price, $40, about 32 pounds. Uh, this is from Sega. Uh, but yeah, 20 years ago, they'd landed this on Dreamcast, and it's a game about grooving and dancing. But it's nice because <laughs> unlike some games, I'm looking at you, Dance Central, you don't necessarily have to be that skilled, um, which Nathan and I will both appreciate. It's designed for all ages and abilities, and essentially uh, there are people who are infected with the rhythm mm. and they are being forced to dance uncontrollably and so you have to match moves and do this and again this is something that's going to be psvr with the move controllers so if you don't have move controllers go get them now and if you're looking to be grooving with some aliens now i, I got a chance to play this uh, i was lucky enough to do that at, uh, at pax last year around about this time i uh, got to dance with some aliens it made me giggle for sure and not many things do um I, I enjoyed it, and I think if you are into games that do that kind of thing where you've got a groove to some music, yeah, funky beats. Yeah. I think that's how they described it. That's exactly what it gives yeah. you. Um, I was not a fan of the original game. I, not that I didn't... I never played the original game. Um, I had a Dreamcast with about 20 games, but that is not one of the ones I ever picked up. So uh, I am that old, but unfortunately I don't have that pedigree with me. Anyone, Any of you guys ever play the original um, no. Space Channel? No. no. Yeah, thank God. Yeah. All right, I was, I was hoping that that would be the case. 
but Nathy did get to shake his booty. I saw him posting out on yeah. Twitter some video of, uh, of of this before. What was you, what was your takeaway when you got great. to play the game? I love that stuff. It's amazing. It you know it's it's like and it also has this Japanese vibe to it. And then as you said, this storyline is just enough to get me playing. Uh, and and the, and the best part about it is that you know while you dance, you do attacks too. So you save the world by dancing. Yeah. <laughs> are we gonna be are we gonna be seeing a video of your dance yeah, yeah, no, when totally. the game releases? Like, I, I am like I it's gonna come out as you said like next week. Yeah, so right I'm I'm. I'm I'm definitely R-rated. R-rated. You can ask Google. Maybe maybe they think it's R-rated. Um, but um, yeah, no, I will definitely uh, uh, make a video about that. No, it's it's not just oh, uh, you know, I want to make fun out of myself. I I genuinely like this stuff. I do. Cool. Nice. <laughs> nice. I, I'm not ashamed of it. Okay. You know what was funny that I, I I had this clip of me dancing, super old video from PAX last year. So, um, okay. And I was like, maybe I should just post it on Reddit to the PlayStation VR uh, subreddit. I was like, they they might you know appreciate that. They did not. They did not. They did not <laughs> like my. They did not like my dance moves. And uh, like I was also surprised that a lot of them didn't like the game coming out. But I, I do get their frustration because you know PSVR two is 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 coming soon. And then then you then you have no no games to play. And then it's like oh wait there's something coming out. Oh it's Space mm. Channel five kind of funky. Uh, you know. Yeah. It's it's a weird one. It's a weird <laughs> one. It, it reminds me of like the era of Crazy Taxi uh, yeah. when you know Sega was dropping these games out that were quite bizarre. Yeah. Um, and and I agree with you. It's a very Asian style to the yeah. gameplay. Um, but it it it's what is fun. the what is it's the fun. other one with the roller skates? Jet Jet, 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 jet radio. 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 And then yeah, you also have Parappa the rapper. Parappa the rapper. God, we're going back. Yeah, this is nice. Those are all like you know. Rhythm uh, titles. I think Kick the, punch is yeah. all in the mind. Yeah, I think those could yeah, also work yeah. in VR. Well, yeah. I, so, I'm not planning to play it myself, but I'm looking forward to watching Nathie's video. Put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mike's like, don't expect to oh, see my video. Like, uh, you should yeah. do a side by side zim with your, uh, you know, wife. No, I could do, but that's <laughs> you need another I haven't worked one. out that <laughs> tech yet. Oh god, it's gonna be expensive. All right, I'll just borrow. Yeah, this is gonna get expensive, but we'll we'll work something out. I'm looking forward to that. So that was uh, Counterfight Four, Gloomy Eyes, which yeah. is definitely one I think not it's to getting miss. better and better. Uh, caught that earlier. Space Channel Five VR and um, Boneworks. Oh, look, I'll run the trailer for Boneworks. We already talked about it a little bit earlier, um, but really just wanted to say Boneworks is coming is now landed on Oculus Home, and and the thing that I think that that's important about that is performance and availability because for those who've run it through other mediums and connections, uh, if you're like me and your system is a little bit on the edge, mm-hmm. uh, I, I am glad it's actually available now on Oculus Home yeah. natively because that's uh, that actually gives you a good 5-10% of your CPU back. So mm-hmm. um, it's a nifty game. I'm glad they've gotten it landed there. And uh, yeah, if you're really into Tuscany, <laughs> as you heard earlier, I'm not, uh, then you can explore something a little so, bit new. So uh, uh, in, in the chat, know. someone also says somebody, uh, the Amigo is also one. Somebody, uh, oh, that, that was the one with the maracas. Yes. You had yeah, the maracas yeah, yeah, yeah. controllers. Uh, Very much like Move. That could come so, to VR. Uh, another one that I want to quickly highlight is that, and this, again, like sadly didn't get much attention, is there is a Mount Everest documentary on the Oculus Quest that you can watch. It's, it's hidden away in, I think it's Oculus TV. Um, and uh, it's it's great to watch. It's free and it's it's pretty long. I thought it was cool. So if you want to, you know, climb the Mount Everest with some dedicated people, and then, well, you know, 
I was confused by that. So it, there was an Oculus, like a um, Oculus, sorry, an Everest title landed about two years yeah, ago, a VR title that was kind of ride along, mm, yeah, um, and quite basic. This is um, just the video. Uh, I was curious if that had then landed on Quest. No. That, I was confused this week. So you're saying it's an no, Oculus it's a, it's TV a special. it's a 360 video. But uh, every time they post that, uh, I, I feel like people don't know where to look because I, I wish they were just doing the same as tested it with their stuff where they just build a player and put it on the store instead of hiding it away in Oculus TV. So you can just, you know, download it mm-hmm. and watch it um, mm-hmm. instead of streaming it. So it drops it like and, content. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But then you might end up with, um, again, that curation problem of having flooding because of all the videos that are easier to produce. And yeah, yeah. the game you worked on for five years yeah. is stuck in between videos. Well, that at were least promote it in some way where it's in the banner or it's like, hey, this is... Uh, they, they did do a video. They did do they a did video. Do, so yeah, they did do a video. Oculus dropped a video of it, and that's what caused my confusion on it. So... Um, those are the releases this week. We're up a tick, I think. Much oh, yeah. This is like the stock market, pretty- right? Like we're we're we're, we're <laughs> going up a little bit. I'm much much happier this week for sure. You know, the last <laughs> couple of weeks been dark times. If you stuck with us all this time, I appreciate your support. <laughs> um, Thank you. So let's get into the main topic then, and of course, um, talk to our special guest this week, Andreas, uh, about his experience in the gaming industry, uh, particularly working in marketing within the game industry. Uh, how you sort of started, uh, and how now, um, you know, doing the, the marketing uh, for fast travel games, how that kind of differs when it comes to releasing a new game, how the marketing differs from releasing a traditional game from your experience, say, at, at Dice, for example. Sure, yeah. I like the way you say main topic. Yeah, you're the, you're the star <laughs> of the show. <laughs> so now it's, you know, as I mentioned before, I, I've turned 40. Uh, so I've been working now with video games and marketing for over 16 years, which is pretty crazy. 17, maybe even. Uh, it actually all started in London. I was an exchange student uh, with very little to do, as I mentioned, and I got a job at a game mm. store in Fulham, uh, taking care of uh, gamesplanet.co.uk. Rest in peace. It was driven by a very, very crazy, crazy guy. Uh, but it was fun. My, my first job, really. Uh, got me into game gaming. And then as I get back to, go back to Sweden to continue my studies as to become a teacher, uh, I got a part-time job at a game store. And uh, a couple of banana shells after that, I became a store manager for a game, which is still... Uh, live and kicking in the UK, for example, but it's it's yeah. dead, dead and buried in Nordics, unfortunately. Mm. Um, so I started out in retail, really, um, video games retailing, yeah. and uh, took care of the pre-owned business for game for a while. I started up the mm. uh, game.se uh, and Nor- Norway, Denmark, and Finland counterparts for the Nordics and, and drove that team and the online business for game uh, before I... Uh, I uh, migrated over to my first developer slash publisher, which was Vivendi Games, uh, before they became Activision. So I was lucky enough to work with World of Warcraft for in its peak, actually, with the Lich King expansion. Wow. Uh, it was it was fun times. I was going to say crazy times. That must have been mad. It was. I mean, it, the thing is that, you know, and I hope, I hope no one is watching here from that, from that team that I had <laughs> at that time, but business were so good. <laughs> that it didn't, you know, it didn't matter what you did with games like The Born Identity or Crash Bandicoot or Spiral the Dragon. No one cared. Money just kept pouring in from World of Warcraft. So my manager usually came in around 11 a.m., played some online poker, and then left at 2, 2 p.m. <laughs> uh, <That's> amazing. 
And I, I had uh, I had literally no onboarding, no sort of you know integration into the company. I was like, okay, well, these are your titles. I was a product manager. Uh, here is your marketing budget. Go. Uh, which was fun because, you know, you got a lot of mandate and you, you got to be creative and no one was saying no to you, but you also never got any kind of, you know, feedback to actually grow as, as an employee. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like an awesome job. It, well, I mean, you know, we had a Sierra, Sierra was part of Vivendi as well by, that, by then, uh, half owned by them, but uh, they, we had a Sierra spring conference in Mallorca. It was like four days with a lot of retailers and uh, media partners presenting our games to them. And uh, <laughs> we spontaneously decided to stay in this luxury hotel for another week because we had to have a kickoff. Uh, so our manager said, you know, why don't we just stay here and have a kickoff here? And, and we stayed for a whole other week in this hotel just because. So, you know, it's, it was a point in the, in the games industry and especially for Vivendi Games that was just unprecedented when it comes to not having to work for your money. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say, this is like the, I, I, we've just ridden the roller coaster up the yeah, hill. Yeah, exactly. And I know VR is just over the precipice here. I'm really keen where the story's going. I think you're doing a great intro here. <laughs> Thank <Andreas>. you. I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I see where it's coming. Yeah, I mean, retail as well, you know, before digital sales uh, actually, you know, even became a thing with the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. I was working in retail at that time where 100% of every sale happened over a counter in a store, uh, maybe on an online web store, but there was no digital conversion happening at all. So with Guitar Hero and all those releases, things were booming in retail as well. So I've been part of the peak uh, of video game retail and publishing uh, marketing history, so to speak. But then, you know, as digital uh, took took over over retail, of course, retail died down in Sweden. There's no specialists anymore uh, in Stockholm at all. Um, and I, I jumped a bit, you know, a few companies. I work for uh, MediaMarkt, which is basically Dixons in the UK, uh, in, in Sweden mm-hmm. for some time. But then, you know, the, the big chunk of my time was spent at DICE, as you mentioned before. And I... Uh, uh, I joined DICE just at the time of the release of the last expansion for Battlefield 3 uh, as a mm. online marketing manager, had my team called SOCOM, which was like so- social community and online marketing. And we t- basically took care of Battlefield 4, Battlefield Hardline, uh, all the expansions and the start of Battlefield 1 before I left. Yeah. Uh, mm. it, was a, it was a crazy fun time. I mean, it's... You know, DICE at that time, I think, had around 400 employees in Stockholm and EA, you know, over 10,000 employees around the world. So the machinery was massive and you were this little bit of little bit of piece in the in the cog, so to speak. Uh, totally new experience for me uh, and something that I both love and hate at the same time. Yep. Yep. By the way, you said so calm. Isn't yeah. SOCOM like a sniper rifle? In... Yes, it is. It is. It, is. Yeah. it, was, yeah. it, was, it was a game on PlayStation 2 as well. SOCOM Navy it was, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. But anyway, it was fun. I traveled a lot to the US. Uh, you really felt that you, had, you played the integral part in a multi-billion dollar franchise like Battlefield. I also worked with Star Wars Battlefront and Mirror's Edge, which was pretty cool. So... Uh, sometimes overwhelming, sometimes you had unlimited mm. budget really to do whatever creative things you wanted to. Um, mm. Not the same thing 
today <laughs> in the VR yeah. games industry where there's no money unless I'm nice to our CEO and maybe I get some, but no. Uh, well, it was fun times. Uh, I did spend a few years at Bandai Namco off the dice and then joined the VR games industry in 2017, two and a half years ago. Yeah, 17. Uh, just in time for the announcement of Fast Travel Games' first game. Uh, so two and a half years now doing marketing for VR games. And uh, I'm really enjoying life a lot. It's like in this role, I had to use all my expertise from the last 16 years. or Parts of each of the different roles I've had just molded into one JD, one job description, really. Yeah. And doing everything. I mean, I, I write our tweets, but I also make our uh, long-term strategies for the company and for, for our games. Uh, I go to events, but I also engage with the communities on Reddit. So, yeah, it's like a jack-of-all-trades kind of role. Um, yeah. it, must, it must feel a lot more um, personal um, doing it in VR, because like you say, you know, when you're part of like the World of Warcraft, which is just insanely huge, you can't even comprehend how big it is. Yeah. And then obviously, you know, VR is still like a niche market right now. It must feel a lot more uh, personable for you, you know, communicating with the community in that sense. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, it's growing. You guys are doing a great job of making sure that awareness and engagement is growing. There is a, a bunch of, you know, call them micro content creators popping up all the time, really, um, for VR as well. But it's still a relatively small family. It's still a relatively small business as well. We haven't even had, you know, we haven't even seen 10 million uh, home VR uh, six tough headsets being sold yet, while the PS4 has sold over 100 million. Uh, so, you know, market is growing, but still small enough so that you can actually look at the whole thing and, and talk to everyone involved in it. And as you mentioned, you know, when I, whenever I go to events and I meet you guys or I meet the players, it's, it's, it's highly appreciated. There is a sense of being part of something new and exciting still, I would say, even though we're around four years into home VR gaming now so yeah no it's it's a it's a very close business mm. and i think as well like it really shows um your expertise uh, working with these bigger studios especially for me like uh visiting gamescom for example where you did this amazing job with uh the vr showcase at gamescom yeah. you know and, and like um i think it was yeah. zim touched on earlier where you you know you really brought these studios together you know like cortopia games um you know uh the the developers of uh, budget cuts you know um and you brought all these studios together so they're in one place we come and visit we play all their games at once get to talk to everyone in the same place super yeah. well organized um so it really shows you know your your expertise come to, come to light there for sure cool it's it's good to hear that and i i also think it's part personal of personal importance for myself because if i didn't do those kind of initiatives i would probably be bored mm. uh, i mm. i could do you know traditional marketing or spend all my time on social media and be somewhat successful for fast travel games but i i need to do more than that so it's part it's part important for us as a company uh studio or and our games of course it's part helping the vr business grow but it's also you know is also putting sugar on that little devil inside of me saying you have to do something cool and new and innovative and, and push the boundaries all the time. So 
really happy to hear. And I'm, I'm also very satisfied with how the showcase played out. Um, that said, it was one of the first. It was the, I was going to say it was one of the first that we saw, and I'm I'm really curious, especially given your background, yeah. like what tricks that you've what tricks or you know the trade have you used before that you found like fell flat in VR? You know, if if you're a if you're an indie studio with six people, right, small budget, yeah. and you're trying to to get your game out yeah. there, what are the, what are the things that they should just not waste their time on because they just don't work? Like they're maybe accustomed to you know that pancake, that 2D entertainment and that sphere, but in VR, it's just not, it's going to be a dead end for them. Do you have any uh, thoughts around that? Yeah, I mean, I've tried some traditional marketing, for example, like, you know, we call it billboard marketing, but the fact you just buy awareness for your game. Um, the tricky part with VR is that the audience are in a very few selected places. And, you know, if I should put our game up on, pcgamer.com, for example, on the website. The chances are that I would hit maybe 1% uh, of VR owners. Yeah, maybe. And then the rest wouldn't own a VR headset because that site doesn't offer any kind of targeting targeting capabilities. Now, releasing a PEC flat screen game, you can absolutely decide to put a banner up on a PC-specific news site Yeah, and probably hit a majority of the people right in their bone, so to speak. Mm. But for VR, you have to be super careful where to spend the money. I mean, on Facebook, for example, Oculus didn't have, really didn't have a way to, and, and they own them, they own Oculus, Facebook owns Oculus, but up until very recently, you couldn't target uh, people interested in Oculus on Facebook with an ad, which is crazy. You could find virtual reality, you could find PlayStation VR, but you couldn't find Oculus as a tagged interest to place the, <laughs> which is like that's so typical of them. That is so typical. Yeah, of them. I, I know. Now, now you can. So you know there there are ways yeah. there are ways to tweak uh, or or optimize where you put your money if you have any money to to advertise your game. Reddit is another example. You can select specific subreddits and do ads there, mm-hmm. but. I, I tried for Apex Construct. We tried a couple of uh, traditional uh, ad solutions just to see the impact of it. Didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. so in terms of like, say, because we do have other developers watching the show at times, like if there's like a, a one method that you would say double down on, is it one sort of avenue or, or stream that you would recommend that, that tends to get better results? Um, whether it be Reddit or whether it be Facebook, for example, or... Um, I would say, I mean, it's not that hard to be active in all of them. Yeah. To be honest, you you would. I I I don't think you have to choose between you know doing Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or Reddit or you know, forums, whatever. There are. I, I would say like this. Today, VR players and other studios and media outlets and content creators like yourself, the majority, the vast majority. Uh, really appreciates a transparent and engaged developer. That's not the case, uh, you know, across the board for flat screen gaming, where you have these big companies and people look at EA with the kind of disrespect or cautious. Cautious, you have to really, like, really convince them that you're bona fide, that you're there for the for the benefit of them as well. VR gaming today, it it doesn't require more than an open heart, uh, a positive attitude, and engagement. And also, you know, a, a willing not to self-promote yourself to death because that's not in anyone's interest. So there's a balance there. But 
if you find that balance and, and keep engaging with the audiences, keep engaging with people like you, you know, and getting those relationships settled, mm. um, there's a lot of magic to be done from a marketing perspective without spending much or any marketing budget. And that's another issue today. Like most studios in VR gaming don't have any marketing budget at all. Mm. Yeah. yeah, no, that, I mean, that's totally, that's yeah, totally true. Like, like what we see from our perspective is that most studios um, that, as you said, do not have the budget, what they are trying is, you know, they, they just uh, create a lot of Steam keys or Oculus keys, try to send them to everyone, hoping that someone is going to cover it. Um, yeah. Sometimes adding a little trailer to it or a story and, and that's it. They're like, hey, uh, we want to, you know, give you a key. And that's it. And that's kind of what they need to roll with because it's it's a free option. It is. But I also think, you know, everyone does that. So if you're going to have any chances of actually getting your game played or, and showed by other people, yeah. you, have, you have to do a little bit more. Like you have to show a little bit more appreciation of the people on the other side that, that will accept your key. Mm. You know, and don't, don't just send keys and keep your fingers crossed and, and leave it like that. It's, it's it, yeah, I would say... Go the extra mile a bit to yeah. to really get those connections yeah. going. Yeah, I, I see what you're talking about. Like this, and this is something that I find hard with developers is that some of them are trying in a good way. Others do a very bad job at you know doing that. Where, for example, they you know they follow me on Twitter. Then for two three weeks they're constantly liking my stuff, being very positive about what I do. And then out of nowhere they're like but you should play my game. So mm. it's almost like a charity event that they're running for a while. It just doesn't work. But, you know, when there's like this genuine contact, then it's fine. But, you know, if you send me an email saying like, hey, here's a key and we hope you make a video about it, it's too direct. It's too, you know, yeah. why why should I care to, you know, you kind of need to do, as you said, you yeah. need to do something more that, you know, with you as well, like you invited us over to Stockholm to play the game. I thought that was already a very... A nice gesture from from your side and, yeah. and bringing us together to play the game and to celebrate and also giving us the opportunity to explore the city not only to just you know <laughs> be locked up in his hotel to play yeah the game, sorry, but... for, sorry for not inviting you mike at that time <laughs> no, that's fine that's fine no it is what it is yeah um but no, yeah no i i think you're right you know like meeting in person definitely like you know the relationships we formed from being at oculus connect yeah. or like meeting you at gamescom and the team at gamescom you build these like personal relationships yeah, feeling these, like an actual people. interest in both yeah. sides like yeah, some and, developers and, and, you know, are pushing too hard on that that fact yeah, in, you know just in the defense of some studios you know i'm fast travel games decided quite early on that you wanted a full-time marketing guy Mm. Uh, which most studios decide not to go for today yeah. because, you know, yeah. you know, I, I'm, I'm, it's not like I'm a millionaire or something, but with my experience and my age, uh, I'm not a junior person. And, and, you know, it's, so it's quite costly to get someone like me inside a studio. Mm. Um, yeah. so most studios don't have the luxury of having a full-time person engaging with the community and crafting these plans, like the Gamescom plan that I did, uh, for last year. Of course, it came from me, you know, with the experience I have and with the time I have at a studio to craft something out like that. While yeah. most studios, you have people developing the game while taking care of their social media channels or while trying to get in contact with content creators like you. Mm. So, 
yeah, you know, I just want to be humble to say, I, you know, I understand that this is a tricky situation for most studios where they have to balance yeah. how much time they spend on marketing their game versus <laughs> we've, just. We've got it. a fantastic comment oh. in from Brandon JLA in chat who says, "Way too much effort is put into trying to get influencers to play your game," and I have I, I have seen that pain, developer to developer, yeah. people who yeah. will yeah. ask me for uh, almost as a jump point for other people in the VR community. And it's like, why don't you go to them? But, I mean, this is but, a, this but, is a pain point. That's right let's let's just remember for a second well. that, that right Brandon, Brandon works with influencers and like he is part of an influencer team himself. Exactly. So he doesn't need that external <laughs> influencer uh, because he's <laughs> not in the same way as someone who's closet. No, he's we, already we created have, that. Have, yeah. Yeah. We don't have node for example. Um, no, but the, you make a really good point. Like this is the thing that I hear from developers is like it's the I don't have a budget. I've got to do it for free or for cheap. Um, I've got a decent game, but this is this comes back to the the core root of how do you how do you get somebody interested in your VR experience? And this is one of the things I was kind of curious about. Again, you come into like midfield, I'd mm -hmm. say where and what I what I mean is there there is there are already dedicated communities out there who are invested in and interested in mm -hmm. VR. I'm curious, I would imagine you're primarily targeting people who are already into VR and you're not really looking to spend your time and effort on converting people to say, yeah, no, that's, let us be your, your gateway yeah, to that's, VR. That's a but some developers will. Exactly. And that, that goes, you know, this is, this is something I talk about a lot. Like the, your, what's your target group? Um, mm. what's, what's the audience that you need to reach and convince with your game? I had a question the other day on Twitter asking people who what their favorite uh, trailer was for a VR game, and, and most people seem to love the Skyrim trailer, for example, the live action trailer, which is amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's an amazing trailer. <laughs> it's an amazing trailer, but it's it's primarily made for PlayStation mm. to sell the concept of VR yeah. so that more people get into VR. If you're a, if you're a hardcore VR player or at least a semi hardcore VR player, and you're sold on the concept of VR. You're looking for good content, good-looking content, exciting content to play. You don't you don't have to be retold as why VR is so cool. So um, that's very, that's very much true. Like everything we do, I would say two hundred percent is aimed towards active VR users, which means we don't have to create assets or we don't have to go to events where the main objective is to get people inside VR. It's a nice added bonus, you know, thing to whatever you do. And I'm sure first party will be happy if we get more people playing VR, but we have to make our game look and feel the most exciting for the ex existing audiences. Yeah. Mm. And it, it actually, that, that whole look and feel, like I was going through all the launch trailers for all the different headsets and kind of looking at it from the perspective of, and I'll roll them now as we're talking, mm. Um, how did the different platform owners decide to try to convince people to get into VR? Because that's the biggest barrier that I think. I mean, we're almost talking about that kind of little nest ring of all of us who know what VR is, but getting somebody first to pick up a headset yeah. um, and join that circus is like, I, I think back to before I tried VR, which was very early days. It was 2013. And um, like before it, 
if you tried to convince me that the hype was real or whatever, and even that day, it was just me looking at a video of Carmack talking on the floor to this dude, oh, Palmer Lucky, at yeah. the time, who I didn't know. If you remember that, that that's what caught, that was the fish hook that caught me. And I was excited because because I knew Carmack and I knew he was excited and that he was a genius at this kind yeah. of thing. And I was like, right, well, if he's convinced, I'm convinced. Where can I try this? Went and tried it. And, um, you know, until you get to that point where you've tried mm. it, and this is where I'm trying to kind of draw a parallel to uh, game mechanics in a VR space that are unique uh, and enriching. Mm. Um, things that you want you want to tell people, try out this mechanic because yeah. it'll get you to buy my game. And it's where we've seen a few developers, I can't remember if Fast Travel have done this, but offer demos of their games. So it's a teaser of like, try the mechanic yeah. because the fun part about VR, much like an iPhone was back for the cell phone, um, it's kind of like the blank mm-hmm. slate. Once you step into that blank slate, then you get to feel what it's like in there. And until you actually play with the mechanic, you don't know if the physics feels right or the puzzle mechanic is too frustrating yep. for you. So I think demo is one option. But like, what do you think? What's the roadmap for VR? What's a what's a good way for VR to actually market to people in the future? It's a really good question. Speaking about getting people into VR, uh, a demo for a game would still require you to have a VR headset to play it. Uh, I think PlayStation did something really exciting last year where they sent out, I think it was 3,000 PSVR headsets to uh, PS Plus owners in the US who signed up on the website. And you could keep them for a month Mm. Uh, as a, as a oh, trial wow. and if you wanted to keep the headset you get to buy it for half the price or you just send it back free of wow. charge and they send out another batch that's, that's interesting that's very that is interesting that's super cool i know but it was unfortunately it was a one-time stunt you know it, it died the, the concept died down i think it's you know the logistics must have been a nightmare for them uh but it, it goes to show the challenge that you have to yeah. convince people mm. like oculus quest will help or any untethered headset you can bring to people's houses. I brought my Quest along to family members and friends over the holiday season now and showcased VR to more new people yeah. in probably a month yeah. that I've done in two years now because I can with a headset like yeah. Quest. So the watering effect of um, you know, the ease of use that, that yeah. any untethered headset uh, provides you will definitely help to broaden. Mm. Uh, so... So like loop, looping back to like Gamescom, like, you know, conventions are also a good place to get people into VR. Like Sony, for example, yeah. is, you know, having like the, oh, the yeah. booths they have are always super busy. The last one was Iron Man. Oh, VR. Yeah, I know. People are constantly trying it. Yeah. Um, so are, do you think that also has a, uh, you know, a good effect on, you know, maybe sales or getting people into VR, getting them to buy not only Iron Man VR, but also the whole bundle of like the PSVR, everything. Yeah, I, I do think so. I mean, from a from a indie or lack of better words, uh, studio like us, an independent studio at least, it's very expensive to go to events. So that's why I created the VR Games Showcase together with five other studios, because then we could share the costs, we could share the expertise, um, and we can leverage our own contact networks of mm. content creators and media so it's, it, it was needed yeah. we, we could never had gone to gamescom just as fast travel games it was too expensive and and now we're not even talking about show floor for consumers we're actually talking about the business yeah. hall for yeah. you guys and, and press so going to the show floor 
without a partner, like a platform partner or uh, a sponsor is yeah. it's crazy expensive. <laughs> there's security aspects, there's manpower needed. Yeah. It's just too much money. And, and, and another thing that is a new rule since last year, I think, in Germany is that you can also not show everything because kids are walking around too. So even if you did were able yeah. to, you know, pay that much money to have a booth there, then it might even be tricky to show it off. Like I've seen Oculus at Gamescom two years ago, they had a couple of games there, like Marvel Powers United, but mm-hmm. they weren't allowed to show what people were playing. So you yeah. just saw people with the headsets on, wow. but you had no no trailers, nothing. It was all too violent yeah. because mm-hmm. of the new rules. So I think it's like with that, it's it's pretty, you know? Yeah. yeah I no. thought, I thought what you guys did with the the VR showcase was brilliant. Yeah. Um, but sort of looking looping back to sort of like online uh, media, Brandon uh, made a really good comment in the chat, and he said that he would recommend that developers think about the viral ability viral ability of the footage that will mm-hmm. ultimately come out of their title. So you know, yes. in their case, obviously with Boneworks, like we mentioned earlier on in the show, yeah. you know, they they had the team at Node, you know, making these like really uh, hyped up videos, like viral videos of like showing off these amazing mechanics, which ultimately helped lead to you know sales of the game and same with beat saber back in the day with that amazing mixed reality footage mm-hmm. yeah. um you know that, that kind of again went viral and then ultimately led to sell a lot uh, of yeah. copies of the game as well so uh, the walking dead is a great example you know the way people kill zombies in this first person view it just looks at yeah just, you know uh, yes yeah. it, it, i i wholeheartedly agree and the, the fact is that no studio apart from maybe a few uh no vr game studio exclusive vr game studio uh, is big enough or has a strong enough voice of their own mm. to just put a video out there that gets viewed by their followers and that's it. So uh, at the same time, I think the the audience, you guys as well, are getting a little bit spoiled now with great content raising the bar constantly. Yeah? There are much more studios making more awesome uh, assets for their games now, which mm-hmm. means that what, whatever you did two years ago is probably not even good enough to to go viral for a day uh, today. So yes. I think I think it's definitely needed. That's also why content creators. I, I I'd still argue that you you guys are highly important for any mm. studio today, and I do think we should focus on you guys. You know, without nagging and begging. Yeah, and just just bombarding you with boring emails, but it's definitely something we should be focusing on. Yeah, and I think like to give any advice out there for people that wanted to like approach you know any sort of content creator online, whether it be someone like you know small or big or whatever it may be, is just make it a personal approach. You know, um, you know, start off the conversation somewhere on Twitter first, for example, yeah. might might make things yeah. easier because there's nothing worse than you know every day you get five of these emails and they're yeah. all asking the same question, and if it's not personalized to you, you're like, well, why yeah. should I care? Yeah. And say if it is a big title and you know i do appreciate the game studios don't have uh, big budgets in vr right now but maybe offer some sort of like exclusivity or um you know if it's a game that that could do it like an in-game avatar uh, yeah. or, or something yeah. unique that makes yeah. it yeah. more compelling from a content creator's perspective to cover it uh, because if you do have you know that one or two days ahead of everyone else then that's good for you as a content creator because all the traffic is driving mm. towards you yeah. um so it doesn't necessarily have to be money all the time but you can create think of creative ways to to get people on board um that's that's what i would say i I take um i mean just 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 to spin it from my side as well mike um i think that the the genuine punch through uh is the thing that has hooked me uh the most times over the last six years rather than anything else somebody who's released a game before say that i've covered and they've reached out and 
they're reflecting on how that went for them and, you know, my side of it. Um, generally, it's that connections bit that Andreas was talking about earlier for me is if you put time into relationships that matter and that work well for you, I think you get it in return. And you're not going to be able to do that with everybody, which means you got to be a bit choosy. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I do think that it, it kind of hooks back on the same point that you're making, Mike, about you got to have, again, think about your reach out as what's the unique selling point? Yeah. Why is the and, person who's yeah, and also consider- connected with you going to care? And also, like you wouldn't apply for a job or you wouldn't uh, reach out to somebody to do business with four pages of content. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> brevity is king in this day and age yeah. because people spend such short time. Uh, they have so much, so much little time to kind of get interested. And, so and one last thing. I think you have to think about it from a pitch perspective yeah. as well. One last thing I would say as well is consider the audience because, you know, it might be all well and good, um, like getting Jacksepticeye on board, for example, who does play a lot of VR content more and more nowadays. Mm-hmm. But like, who are his audience? Are they going to be the kind of people that spends the money on a VR headset and, and the game that you're marketing? Mm-hmm. Or do you go for a more targeted, you know, VR content creator audience who you, who you know are VR enthusiasts, for example, and that's that's your target audience maybe. Yeah. So is yeah. that something else it's, to consider for no, sure? Yeah, like, like what Mike is saying, like for from our side, it's it's very hard to compete with that idea. Uh, mm. Because, you know, you have less subscribers, you have less viewers, although you can point out, listen, this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. This is our audience. We have been around in the VR industry for so long. And then it's up to them to make a decision on that. Um, although I do have to say that, you know, the bigger uh, YouTubers like Jacksepticeye, um, something that does set something in motion is that more content creators start playing that game. So you have more. Yeah. So that's something. But what I've seen is that, uh, uh, for example, Job Simulator, Rick and Marty, and these kind of titles, they uh, have a big audience uh, that mainly exists out of kids. And uh, you see these YouTubers getting millions and millions of views on these videos. But if you then look at the sales, I don't think you're selling more or anything. So in the end, it's nice to to uh, point it out to investors that have no idea about, you know, it's like, hey, we have a pie chart. These are the YouTubers that played it. These yeah. are the millions of views we got, um, but you can't, you know, if, if, if you talk about sales, it's a different story. Uh, that's, that's, that, that scenario you just described, I think it's, it's viable in seven out of 10 studios today. You have a CEO or a, you know, a stakeholder or a board member who likes to see a million views of your game uh, as a KPI or a key performance index. And that's, and that's good enough for them. So that becomes something you chase to satisfy yeah. them rather than thinking, is it, is it important for our game? Will it actually make our game you know, become more interesting for players? Will it sell more copies? If I, if I get reach this 1 million uh, views of the game in whatever channels, or should I focus mm-hmm. instead of the channels that actually have an audience consisting of our primary target group? So that's a distinction I think that's, comes uh, with your time in the industry because it's it's you know at the first glance you all guys look the same yeah, yeah. But when you start looking at the channels and start talking to you you understand okay there's actually a, you actually have different audiences some are focuses on specific headsets mm-hmm. uh, some have a more grown up some are more focused in the US etc so getting those details down I think is important as well yeah. so I you know I you know contra uh, victory to what Brandon said before. I, I think it's yeah. definitely worth spending time yeah. focusing something, on. Some, something that yes. I also want to highlight, and mm. th- this is something that changed a lot 
since like when when I started in what is it like 2012 13 when I started making VR videos like back then it was all about you know demos from Oculus Share you were constantly like scavenging hunting for something people liked what they were watching it was all super simple then in 2016 you know the Vive came out the Rift came out the PlayStation VR then the whole consumer official launch started um wave-based shooters were super popular escape rooms uh, pretty much everything that was vr mm. but now you see also the audience uh, evolving where they don't want to see that stuff anymore they want to see other things mm. um, and that makes it for us hard to for example cover everything uh, out there where we need to uh, kind of you know uh, think about oh is this game actually now for example for me like i played ghost giant uh, again, uh, I already played it for the second time. I love the game. I really want to show it up and I want to plug the studio made it because I, I I like it. But for me, it's more like a like let's say from my channel perspective, I cater my audience, I cater the industry, but I can't always do that on my channel because it's my job too, right? Right. Yeah. So have like if I would play let's say thirty ghost giants in a month, I wouldn't be able to live. Uh, sure. of the of what i'm doing and then i will also not be able to make more people excited for vr because yeah. that's that's our goal so for example with you you have apex construct for me playing it on the oculus quest is really awesome you know mm. everyone wants to see that it has a you know a little bit of a half-life vibe there are certain stories going around so for me it's the best moment to cover it mm. then yep. you have uh, the curious uh, uh you know uh, pets uh, one where something something it's yeah, it's, it's, it's a nice title. it's it's a nice title you, you know where i'm going with this it's like it's a great it's a great game but then on youtube it, no one really watches it because it's just not the right moment or not the right so for us it's super hard nowadays mm -hmm. because vr is maturing slowly and so is the content people are watching sure so for us it's like you know where yeah. I want to play one game and I want to play the other, but covering it is a total different story. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it, it is a risk, you know, to cover games like that sometimes. Um, but, it, you know, you end up covering, I think, what you just kind of enjoy and, and then you kind of get into a flow of what works for you. Hmm. But in terms of like uh, your content now, um, you know, from fast travel games, you've had like Apex Construct. You've worked with a neat corporation with Budget Cuts 2, yep. uh, Curious Tale of the Stolen Pets, which I really loved, by the way. Um, and you kind of hinted at this at the very beginning, but you're, you're currently obviously working on the next project. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and, and so is everyone working on that project right now, or yes. is the team sort of working on uh, bugs and stuff, or other tweaks to the old game still, or is it just full focus on the new project now? It's I would say it's ninety percent focus on the new product. Uh, That's exciting. It, it is. It, it, it's that important for us. It's it's by far the biggest uh, effort we made, I think, uh, and it's it has certain aspects to it that makes it. I'm sorry I can't talk about it yet. No, of course. Uh, no, we understand. No, it's yeah. fine. Yeah, but yeah, but let, let's, just say, let's, let's say it's not going to be The Curious Tale 2, and it's not going to be Apex Construct 2. Yeah. It, it's something different. Um, and is that and, nice and, from a studio's perspective, you know, to work on something like a fresh IP maybe or a fresh concept? Yes, it, it's, it is. I do I do think that we're still sticking sticking to our core pillars as a studio. You know, we are not making music games or we're not even making multiplayer games yet, at least. Okay. We're focusing very much on immersion, storytelling, world building, narrative, those kind of things. Mm -hmm. And that's that's something we're gonna really like keep pushing because I, I do think there's you know, there's a 
lack of those games and maybe uh, the market was a little bit too young like two years ago for the kind of meat, more meatier single player narrative driven experience uh mm. but the install base is is twice now than it was two years ago and i and uh there are so many players with different preferences so um it's definitely us using all the expertise we've had now from body cuts apex construct and even curious sale and, and putting all that into to something yeah. new and, and the first time we saw like Curious Tale and Budget Cuts Two was like um, Gamescom uh, last year. Yeah. So how how long can you set? Can you tell us how long this new project has been in the works for up until now? Yeah, sure, we started working on it around Gamescom actually last year. Oh, okay, so it's been yeah. in been in development for a little while now. Yes, uh, of course, not the whole team, but parts sure. of it. Parts of it start working on it, and then um, we're not. You know, we're probably not that far away from announcing it i would yeah. say but there's still some time away yeah. uh but going back to uh, to the showcase at gamescom uh if all things go well <laughs> there is a showcase 2.0 happening this year at gamescom awesome nice. uh which uh up you know it ups the quality uh for any attendee by far i would say compared to last year Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully you guys uh, clear your clear your schedules in in August and and decide to go to Cologne. Yeah, we'll I've see. already booked my hotel, so I'm gonna see there. Yeah, no, it's it's. I I you know I again we're still finalizing uh, the participating studios and all that. So until we have everything locked, it's not going to be anything official yeah. or so. But but uh, most likely there will be a new showcase at Gamescom. Yeah. In an improved, in an improved and exciting way. That's great, and I and I think with you know the whole E3 debacle going on, I think Gamescom is only going to get bigger. I think so too, and and hopefully you know the coronavirus will have uh, disappeared. Yeah, I really hope so. Yeah. Really hope but so. Uh, yeah, not not you know not for the games perspective, of course, for for the for the human perspective, but you know we'll see what what happens with that. But yeah, it's. Uh, but I, I actually wondered, like net net, you yeah. talked about coronavirus there. Yeah. Um, you think this is going to have a net positive or negative effect on uh, obviously in the interim and for these meets that people, you know, it's, it's canceling left, right and center. Right. But long-term, like we were hinting at earlier, um, is this is going to drive people to uh, virtualized events, <laughs> virtual strategies, business teams are already thinking about it. Nathy picked up pieces of that in his trip to Asia recently. Um, yeah, maybe to me, it kind of seems like it's, it's, it's almost like going to end out net positive if, Everybody doesn't die off from this virus, so uh, I don't know. I'm just curious on your your take on that from a marketing perspective. Are there any kind of um, interesting road bumps ahead in 2020 that you foresee? I, I don't think so for 2020. I think it's too early, uh, to be honest. And I also I'm a strong believe in, believer in in the physical meeting in a space. Yeah, I am too. I uh, am too. <laughs> but that said, of course, there will be a place for, I mean, you, you, you can watch sports in VR, you can go to sports game, you can watch concerts in VR in the US today, you know, a basketball game at courtside, for example. So yeah. it's already happening. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe from a business meeting perspective, like GDC, I could see VR playing a bigger role relatively soon, where you sit around the table and you, and you, you know, you showcase something, you talk about something, you discuss something uh, with a good way of taking notes, maybe added to to the whole thing. Yeah, that's but, the, uh, the, but, the, the but, dream, 
yeah. the dream in my mind would be that you you go to an online convention like that you know you sit around a table talking about the game you're already, you're already wearing a headset anyway so then you just all transport into the game yeah. world and then as a developer you just talk the players through it in the game world do you know what i mean and that that's yeah. kind of the way i envisage it absolutely and i that that's likely to happen i think mm. but not for 2020 uh, yeah definitely. no exactly it's, it's no. further along the road but you know so. yeah. at, at least in the meantime we have the the vr showcase 2.0 i'm super super yeah. uh, pumped for it because i thought the first one was yeah. a really great concept and i think you know any uh, big gaming event you know deserves something like that dedicated yeah. to vr that really shows the love and passion that it needs uh, all in one space rather than being spread and around an event yeah. uh, it cool. was it was amazing for us and, and, and uh, so also i have really appreciate the effort uh, i never got to go to the party last year so oh, yeah. i'm looking forward to oh. that this year i booked it for <laughs> Nathy did, yeah. yeah. I booked ex extra time. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Compromising, yeah, yeah. of course. You can, you can finally join us doing karaoke. Yeah. And I know that's that my. It's uh, actually called Marioki. Oh, yeah, Marioki. Yeah, yeah, Marioki exactly. is singing yeah. about video games industry instead of. I know that um, my traveling buddy, Gamertag VR, is going to be uh, coming along as well. And I think he's already booked nice. his hotel room. Yeah. So there's definitely going to be a few I, of us. I, I'll share details and stuff as soon as I can with you guys, of course. And, and, and uh, yeah. you, you know. Um, but it shouldn't be it shouldn't be more than a few weeks, I think, until we can actually uh, officially state that we're going. Yeah. Awesome. That's cool. Yeah. Um, awesome. If it, I actually forgot one thing when you asked me before, some some kind of hints and tips for other uh, studios as well. One mm -hmm. thing I just have to mention, and and this is of critical importance for us, it's shown, is the uh, the uh, the storefronts for each of the platforms you know with your sales happening 100 digitally mm -hmm. most of the time inside of your headset especially on on quest at least maybe oh, yeah. steam steam is a little bit more desktop so you're talking about steam. the banners i am i mean it's the thing is you know you can't you can't buy any advertising in oculus quest headset and you can't really buy anything on steam uh at least not in a prominent way there are ways to be have your game showcased in the uh community section which kind of sucks anyway but there are so many ways where you can make uh, your game pop mm. in a great way. Uh, it's either by networking, getting to know the platform owners and really, yeah. you know, push for your games to be promoted on a feature banner on the release. Or when you have a new content coming out, you get support from them on the official social yeah. media channel. Uh, you know, you write a blog post for them, for example, you, you get your game included in a, uh, in a collection. That's actually a, a recent case now. We got uh, the Curious Tailor Soul and Pets added to the Best to Show the Family collection on the Oculus Quest mm. headset and Im Smart. immediately was a 100% increase in baseline sales for the game wow. from, the, from that day, just like wow. that. And yeah. it just goes to show that, you know, and that, that's not something that Oculus usually does just by themselves. That's mm. me asking them and motivating why I think Curious Tale is a great game to be included in the category. It is a great game for, for families, yeah. Exactly, and we have proof of that from events and from comments on social media, which I've shared to Oculus, yeah. and they, they agree that, yeah, this, this, this fits, and that helped us so much. And, yeah. uh, you know, Steam, you can do these marketing rounds, these visibility rounds for your games, which doesn't cost us anything. Uh, you can do them at launch, you can do them yeah. at any major update you have. So many things you can do. You can ask Steam to, you know, tweet about your game or have a um, an instant message to all the VR players. Like, there's not a lot, not enough studios, I think, who focuses on this. Yeah. And it's mm. it's it makes a huge difference. I mean, a one content creator or 
one tweet or one ad on Reddit is not making a tenth of a difference compared to storefront press storefront. and promotion. So interesting. Yeah. 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 There you go. Some hot tips there from Andreas. I really, Fantastic. really appreciate you uh, being on the show this week. It's been really insightful to get uh, yeah. an understanding of what it's like from your perspective in terms of marketing VR content. Um, so I really appreciate it. If you've got any questions in the chat, now's the time while I sort of recap the show times because we have gone on a little bit longer than we usually go on. Um, so if you have stuck around, I really, really appreciate it. So just a reminder, this is a weekly VR, AR and MR talk show live streamed every Saturday on YouTube and on Twitch. Don't forget, you can also catch the show live in VR. Actually watch in VR with other people in rooms in big screen TV, which is a really cool way to watch the show. Uh, the show goes live at 7pm in Europe, 6pm in the UK and 12 midday in central US. And you can also check out the audio version on your commute and your travels, uh, which is available on iTunes, SoundCloud and on Spotify. Um, so remember to like, subscribe and hug your grandma. Yeah. Speaking of yeah. grandmothers, um, DL. G27 says, I put my 86-year-old aunt in Curious Tales and she loved oh, it. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, we've had 86-year-olds and we've had 5-year-olds, <laughs> you know, being sent to us as comments now. It's really like spectral people from, from the very youngest to the, to the oldest. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, it's one of those games that's got universal appeal, you know, it's just so charming. And what I really loved about that game was the animation, you know, of the little characters really yeah. brought them to life. Uh, it was it was like almost like a little Pixar diorama playing out in front of you. It and cool. it's cool, that, as you said, like before, it's like it was a passion project mm. that, you know, you, you give like creative freedom to people in the studio to make something and then also publish it later on. I think that's that's awesome about that title that it's, you know. Yes, it is. I mean, it's, it was two people working on it from the start. I think it ended yeah. maybe with six or so at the end. But it's really, it's really a small passion oh. project that yeah. was just a, too good of an idea not to make a game of. And so, yeah. the same guy has another idea now, James Hunt, uh, which he's pitching to us in the studio. <laughs> and it's, it's again, it's probably too good not to make a game out of it. So we'll see. That's uh, awesome. That's what we promised, James. But uh, it's, uh, <laughs> We've got a great question from fellow developer Brandon JLA from Stress Level Zero, and he asks, "How long of a project cycle do you feel is appropriate for VR if you're starting out in 2020?" I would say a year, maybe. If you if you're going for a you know a full price title, which could be considered twenty nine ninety nine dollars, yeah, um, probably a year. Uh, yeah. for, for a sane and reasonable recoup or return on investment, at least, from game sales. Yeah. Uh, and what sort of studio size would you base that on, roughly? Uh, yeah, of course, that, that's critical to understand. Like, yeah. at Fast Travel right now, we are uh, 18 people. Um, that's, that's on the bigger side compared yeah. to some of the... There are, of course, a lot of bigger, like, Servials and Clouded are much more than us, but... Yeah. Uh, that's from our perspective. Like, if you're around 15 people, yeah, one year of development uh, for a full price game, and if you consider it to be at least successful enough, <laughs> yeah, uh, without going, you know, revealing our own forecasting, uh, that's probably a good way to start. If you're going for a lower priced yeah. game, you know, of course, yeah, maybe you should aim for six to eight months instead. Yeah, uh, yeah. Brendan says they're currently at 12 right now over at stress level zero. So yeah. Uh, similar sort of sizes. Um, so that's kind of an interesting point. And I know yeah. you might not be able to answer this question, but you asked, what about budget? Um, and I know that can vary as well, project to project. <laughs> and if you don't want to answer it, I do, I do understand. 
No, I, 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 I don't think I can. I think I was no. actually, I, I think I was actually quite open with this at my VRX speak in mm-hmm. San Francisco last year. Apex Construct, at least, I gave those numbers away, and I think we spent uh, one million dollars on. Yeah, very typical. Uh, from what I've heard from developers, yes. it's very typical. Yeah, one million dollars. Uh, then we have spent time on it post-launch, which really adds to the to the costs. But uh, mm. so, yeah, to, yeah, to launch the game, it was $1 million. Uh, and we worked on it for, I think, 14 months. But that was also during the time we built up the studio. So yeah. it started out with four people. We ended up and 12 people. So maybe like nine, 10 people on average for that yeah. game for 14 months and $1 million, which, you know, thanks to Quest, uh, we're actually looking at make, getting the money back from that for making that. That's awesome to hear. That's yeah. Really nice. yeah. No, that's great. Um, so yeah, thank you very much for all your questions in the chat. Um, I think we, it's time to we sort of wrap the show up. Um, so we will be here next week. Actually, I'm not going to be here next week. Um, I'm going to be picking up a new addition to the family. I've got a little puppy coming. Uh, so I won't be here for next week's show, but I'll be back on the show afterwards. Um, a little so, curious pet. <laughs> yeah, I'll get my own little curious pet. Oh, nice. Nice yeah, one. Nice little touch there, Nathy. We we seem to be, um, and as as a wrapping point, I'll I'll mention this as well. So we've just hit um, uh, twelve weeks. My third kid's on the way. Oh wow! Congratulations, so, um, dude. This is one of the uh, one of the reasons I won't be there in August because we've we've got a, a new arrival. That's amazing news! Nice. What an amazing way to announce it on the show. I really appreciate best, that. There Sam. you go. Curious little. The best, uh, <laughs> when, when, is, when is the launch date? Oh. <laughs> launch date will be sometime in August. That's wow. the best reason not to attend the showcase. I think. Yeah, I tend to have good reasons, reason. and that's certainly going to be one of them. Yeah, congratulations, Tim. That's, that's yeah, totally amazing yeah. news. I'm totally... And look forward to pictures of your puppy. Yeah, I'll make sure I share them on social media. So thank you to everyone that's joined us uh, live this week, uh, whether it be you know on, on Twitch or on YouTube or in VR using a big screen TV. Appreciate you all. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. So have a great week. Until then, bye-bye for now, and take care. See you later. Bye-bye.